Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Field of 68 Best Bets show presented by Bet Rivers. It is the NCAA Tournament Edition, and we couldn't be more excited to talk about actual March Madness hoops. We're going to have three shows for you guys. Cut up differently. The playing games, the Thursday games, the Friday games, first rounders this week. Of course, we'll get down to the second round this weekend. Hold your horses. First things first. Today's show is the playing games. Four games, Tuesday and Wednesday. Tip-offs, 11 seeds and 16 seeds. You guys know the drill. Dayton, the field expanded to 68 years ago. It's the name of the show. Jim, how you doing? You ready to talk some pigs? Great. Yep. I'm out in Vegas, Kai, getting prepped for our eventual trip out here. Can't wait for you guys to join me in a few few days here. But yeah, we got a couple of couple of decent pigs. Matthew, you excited for our for our precious first four? Oink oink. Let's do it, baby. Let's just hop right into it then. Let's start with Tuesday's games. We're starting with the big boys. We're starting Pitt and Miss State. Two of the last two teams in the bracket as at larges. Obviously, Mississippi State is a one and a half point favorite currently at Bet Rivers. This is an offense versus defense type of affair. Jim, early thoughts on Pitt, Miss State. Yeah, the coach matchup swings really heavily oh, towards yeah. Mississippi State for me. Um, I know Pitt's been really good against the spread this year <laughs> under Capel, but Christian's, I just hold him in very, very high regard. And that athletic defense is going to be really frustrating. However, there's some matchup angles that kind of work for Pitt here. They can shoot. They can spread the floor a little bit. Uh, again, we talked a lot about how the SEC hasn't teams hasn't seen teams that can really light it up from the perimeter. Mississippi State has a kind of a rude awakening coming here with, with Pitt's potency mm-hmm. and their multitude of options from the perimeter. We saw how good the offense was in the ACC tournament. I know they got smashed in their eventual loss, but they can really, really score. You need to against this Miss State team. Matt, I'm kind of leaning towards the over from that sense. Uh, I think Pitt can find ways to score. Mississippi State maybe uh, uh, owns them inside. Tolu Smith probably gets his pretty easily. But then on the side, the coach matchup, it, it just kind of makes me lean towards Mississippi State. I can't quite get there to bet it because of the the actual on-court matchup. But um, if, if anything, for me, it'd be the over. Yeah, I lean over and Mississippi State as well. I think the coaching edge is real. Um, and the over will certainly play in your favor if any of that regression depth that Mississippi State is owed. Just look at the shot quality, actual versus projected shooting splits. I raise an eyebrow at that as I believe that this is just a bad shooting team, but they are not as bad as they've shot the ball this season. I just don't believe any team in the country can possibly be um, 
you know, in the high 20s from three-point range and mid-60s from the free throw line. Currently, 26.6% of the Bulldogs dead, stinking last. I mean, they shoot 30%. You probably have some value to the over right there. They make 70% of their free throws. Um, and they also are pretty efficient at running sets out of like, you know, they get some good cutting action occasionally. James will dial up some stuff. Um, I think he'll dip into his bag of playbook tricks, maybe bring out some stuff he hasn't shown this season, just, you know, three, four, five possessions where you get an efficient look. Stuff like that matters at the margins, right? It's a razor sharp market at this point in the season. You're looking for tiny, tiny, minute edges. So I like the coaching edge and I like the regression favorability for both the over and the uh, the Bulldog side. Yeah, total right now, 132.5 at Bet Rivers. The problem is it's going to be kind of a slower game. Projected 64 possessions. You got to really hope Mississippi State's hitting. Uh, otherwise, it's a scary over bet. Um, but it could be a close game. You might get some overtime uh, favors because it is March and overtimes happen all the time. Uh, yeah, you guys pretty much hit all the points here. Mississippi State, I, I trust elite defense over offense in the tournament setting, mostly um, as a general rule. And Mississippi State has that elite defense, top 10 in the country. I am totally worried about what Jim said about Mississippi State packing it in, playing a team that can actually shoot. We're going to talk about A&M on a different show with Penn State, but these SEC teams have seen poor shooting for the conf- for all the conference season. It's going to be maybe a bit of a shock to the system when these teams can actually hit shots. But as you guys said, Chris Jans over Capel all day long. Mississippi State is the way I lean as well. Consensus lean there on Mississippi State. All right. Go- Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, group think not always bad, Early. but sometimes bad. Yeah, let's uh, that one right. Let's see if we get group think in the 16 seed play in game matchup of the Tuesday day. Simo from the Ohio Valley is playing Texas AM Corpus Christi from the Southland. Corpus Christi is laying four. Frankly, Matt, I was surprised to see Corpus Christi in the play in game. I thought there would be they would be above this. Um, they're a pretty good team. All I know about this game for sure is that there's going to be about 100 free throws shot. Your thoughts on this one? Um, a lot of threes taken, too. Um, Corpus Christi gives up a lot of threes, and SEMO will gladly uh, will, will gladly gun. It's one of the you know faster, more up-tempo offenses we've seen. Uh, should be a fun one, at, at bare minimum, if you have no real edge on this game, which I don't really at this point, Jim. Um, at least excited to watch some what, ho- what should be a high-scoring game uh, if SEMO can dictate the tempo. A lot of shot quality regression uh, debt owed to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Not to come out as the shot quality bastion to start off this podcast, but uh, they had this as an eight-point game just for reference. So, you know, pretty big number here, uh, way off from the four that it's currently sitting at in the market. My gut leans SEMO at the number, um, but I looked a little closer and it kind of made me, you know, brought up some concerns. So I'm not getting involved right now, Jim. I, I took the over already, bet it at 152.5. I think it's a little bit higher than that, 153, 153.5. Mm-hmm. The concern there is no Terry and Murdix for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Looked like he mm-hmm. went down with a really serious injury in the Southland final, did not return. He was already playing on a, on a kind of a gimpy leg, and it, it did not get better, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. He is their shot creator, highest usage guy, distributor. Not having him definitely hurts, but... I was relatively impressed with how they rallied without him against Northwestern State. Um, Owen Deese hit a, hit a few shots off the bench, gave them an angle there. This should be pretty up-tempo, and as Kai mentioned, lots Fair, and yeah. lots of free throws. They kind of get them different ways. Uh, Corpus Christi, more of an interior, like great rebounding team. Mushila and DeLazarus Keys should eat on the glass in this game. Uh, and then Corpus, or Simo has some big-bodied guards. Chris Harris can really bowl you over. He's a beast. Uh, I think he might have some success against a little bit of a smaller 
Corpus Christi backcourt. Mm-hmm. Kai, if it comes down to a free throw shooting contest, one of these teams is top two in the country in free yeah. throw percentage. Corpus Christi makes 80% of their free throws. So they have to lean there a little bit, but I just think this is more going to be a, an up and down points bonanza where neither team can really get stops. Yeah, points, points, points. Lean the over as well. Um, I think that's the difference, though, because I think both teams will shoot a ton of free throws. Like I said, it's really hard to beat the second best free throw shooting team in the country. 80% is nuts. Not only do they get there, they make them. And SEMO, 180th. Um, yeah, they, sure, they could make a bunch of free throws. It's very, it's a variance uh, type of stat for sure. But 71% on the year, probably not cutting it. Um, Corpus Christi, I do think, has a little bit of advantage forcing turnovers. And I think they have a coaching advantage too. I think Steve Lutz is a better coach than Brad Korn. It's not a huge mismatch, but I just love the way Lutz, um, what he's done to this program the last couple of years. It's been very impressive. Four is getting kind of high on the on the spread there. I'd probably lean SEMO at this point. I did take a little Corpus Christi at three and a half, but four, I'd probably not lay it. We'll see if the line changes, if Murdix is announced officially out. Kai, does it matter to you that like this entire Corpus Christi team played this exact game last year? Uh, is that helpful? Can't, yeah, it's it's got to help, right? Although I thought Corpus would win last year and they did not. So yeah, Texas Southern never loses in the play-in game. Though, yeah, so true. That's right. part of it. Hey, great segue. Let's talk Ooh. Wednesday's play-in games and let's start with Texas Southern, who is playing fairly Dickinson. Uh, no surprise that both these teams are in the play-in games. Texas Southern was the eighth team in the SWAC, although although they were picked to win in the preseason by many many prognosticators. Fairly Dickinson. Didn't even win their conference tournament. They got in because of Merrimack not being eligible for the tournament. Texas Southern's laying two and a half right now. Bet Rivers. Jim, your thoughts on this game? I bet minus two. Texas Southern. I just think they're better. Higher upside. Uh, Fairly Dickinson's interior defense is going to get smoked in this game. Texas Southern has a strong front court for a SWAC team. We saw in the SWAC tournament, John Walker got banged up in the semis, played only five minutes. Came back was the MVP of the uh, the Ken Palm game MVP <laughs> of the final. So you you have him in there. He's going to be a real problem for FDU. FDU's got little guards that can get everywhere. Dimitri Roberts, Grant Singleton, they can hoop. But you got PJ Bird. He's at least somebody you can lock down. One or P- PJ Henry, excuse me. There's two different PJ guards in the SWAC. Um, Henry can D up at least one of them. Matt, I just like the trajectory Texas Southern is on. FDU, they didn't even win their conference tournament. They're not rolling like most teams are entering yeah. this this league. I just think te- uh, Texas Southern is more talented, and they have consistently rolled in this spot over the years with Johnny Jones. Yeah, I agree. It's just in a game that could get kind of sloppy. Um, you know, these are two teams that are in the playing game for a reason, right? They're not going to set the world on fire offensively. I just like Texas Southern's the way they're built, and I think this is kind of the unsung brilliance of Johnny Jones, is like he knows he's not going to get J.J. Redick-type shooters in there, but you got athletes and guys and get to the glass and get your second, third chances. That gives you a pretty high, stable floor, right? It's kind of like the Houston White model, fittingly, uh, Texas Southern based out of Houston. They're kind of replicating what Samson's doing. Uh, I think that's a more... I feel better betting on that approach than I do on Fairleigh Dickinson, which feels more volatile. And I'm with you, Jim. I just think the NEC thing is going to catch up to him. Um, such a bad conference. That's all they've played for three months. Uh, we've never, and now that you step out of that into not that the SWAC's the Big Ten, but still, I think that competition gap actually kind of shows itself here in this game. I'm with you on yeah. Texas Southern. Texas Southern also played a gauntlet of a non conference. So you can't mm-hmm. fully they're trust tested, like, their, right. their full season numbers. They're like 293rd and two point percentage, but they led the SWAC, shot over 50% inside yeah. the arc. That's mm-hmm. more indicative of how things will go against FDU, I think. Uh, 
maybe they run into problems, Kai, and against the one seed afterwards. But I like uh, yeah. them in this matchup. Yeah, is it uh, is it Purdue next for these teams, or is that a uh, different one seed? Yes, it's Purdue. Bam, yeah, Purdue. Uh, I yeah, mean, sorry. good night, good night, Zach, 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 Zach Eady. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Texas Southern more talented. Again, they were supposed to be a lot better this season. They've showed that recently. I am worried about their ball handling. Fairly Dickinson's guards are legit. They impressed the heck out of me against Merrimack in that NEC tournament. They almost won it just by themselves. Dimitri Roberts, their five eight point guard, is where did they find him? Incredible where did shot he come maker. From? He came from Stack. He came with yeah, the one coach. of the he and, oh, he right. and uh, Singleton both followed a coach from St. Thomas yeah. Aquinas. Ultimately, I think FDU being the third worst defense in the country kind of shows itself in this one. I, I also lean towards Texas Southern at two and a half. All right, the last playing game we got. It's on Wednesday once again, and it's back to the big boys for an 11 seed matchup between Nevada, a team that only 59 bracketologists out of 190 on bracketmatrix.com chose correctly into the field, raising a couple eyebrows, against Arizona State, a team from the Pac-12 who has played in this play-in game, it seems, every single year. Arizona State is minus two. Matthew, I hopped in on minus one. I'm sorry, guys, for moving the line for you. Whoops, my bad. Uh, But interestingly, Kim Pom... I'll credit to Jim here. He pointed out first has this game Nevada minus two. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, this is a battle of two coaches who have not fared well in the NCAA tournament. I believe Bobby Hurley is one in three against the spread, um, and a lot of those, I think, half of those have been in the um, in the playing game. So you could argue it gives him an edge just because the familiarity of playing in this spot, but it hasn't bode well for him historically. Uh, Steve Alford six and ten against the number in his tournament resume. So I. I guess that kind of negates itself. You look at what the who the Jimmys and Joes are on paper. I like Arizona State's roster a little better. Like I was kind of the Nevada guy all year, but I think they played a little bit above their heads down the stretch. Um, and the lack of depth started to catch up to them. I think Arizona State actually matches up well with them, just with their size and physicality. I think that's where Nevada punished some teams early on. Arizona State's built to negate that slightly toward the Sun Devils. But my goodness, if you bet this game confidently pre-flop, um, I mean, just be prepared for some frustrating moments down the stretch. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I'm getting such massive deja vu to Arizona State St. John's from a couple of years ago, which I think right. we said the same thing. Like, if you bet this confidently, good luck, because like both these teams <laughs> yeah. are so erratic. Um, Kai, with Nevada down the stretch, they lost three straight games to non-tournament teams. Yep. One away, one home, one neutral. Like, it wasn't just bad schedule. Like, three straight games, the teams that are outside of the field, I'm very surprised they made it after that little run-in. Uh, they weren't crazy like they don't have a bunch of awesome non-conference wins i, I don't know no. man it's it's a very surprising inclusion uh we're gonna say it on multiple other shows here but the mountain mm-hmm. west has been abysmal in the tournament uh, 14 35 and one last 50 games against the spread this conference they're on an 0 and 9 streak right now it's not just old stuff it's it's recent too I do think this version of the Mountain West has better offenses, so perhaps they can uh, succeed a little more. Usually they're coming out of a rock fight league, but I prefer ASU here. Don't trust either coach. I just like the roster a little better for the Sun Devils. Not in love with the number, though, so um, probably sitting this one out because I can't bet it confidently. Yeah, Arizona State probably the more higher variance team. If you're going to choose one of these, I agree both are higher variance, but their crazy athleticism kind of points me towards them a little bit more. And again, I don't think Nevada should be in the field. They beat nobody outside of the Mountain West in terms of quality wins. None of them came out of the Mountain West. Sam Houston was at home, I believe. Uh, Nevada does handle the ball well, though. That That is a point in their favor. They are probably good against pressure, and Arizona State is a scary team to go against. But if you can handle the ball, you can get past that first line of defense and and 
getting to the teeth. It is a tough team to score against inside. There are too many athletes here. And Arizona State's kind of a crapshoot offensively, but I'm hoping it's a good crapshoot. Uh, I'm leaning towards the Sun Devils here. Bobby Hurley, playing game experience. Why not? Can't hurt. All right, that does it for our play-in game show. Stay with us later this week for our Thursday and Friday previews. Thanks to Bet Rivers. Good luck in all your bets and enjoy the play-in games. Welcome back to another episode of the Field of 68's Best Bets show. We are the three-man weave, ready to walk you through the Thursday slate. Of course, shout out to Bet Rivers for powering this episode, giving us a shot to talk college basketball to you fine folks. I'm Jim Roots, hosting this episode, joined by Kai McEwen, Matt Cox, as always. Not going to really dive into any takeaways, fellas, because we haven't seen the playing games yet. Spoiler alert, this is being recorded early. However, we're going to get right into the games. Kai, I'm just going to get it going. First one, we're going in chronological order based on tip times as West Virginia and Maryland. West Virginia looking at about a two and a half point favorite right now over the Terps. Kai, we talked about how Maryland is is maybe getting another Mark Turgeon here who struggled to win in March. Is that going to be the case again with Mr. Willard? I I fondly recall betting against them last year and Seton Hall getting absolutely demolished. Yeah, um, I would say West Virginia comes in playing the better ball right now. Um, although I, I did do some filtering on Bart Torvik. Uh, he makes this game a pick since February 1st. So you could say these teams are pretty much equal since since February, which, okay, I guess I buy. From a sheer physicality standpoint, Matt, I think it's West Virginia. But Maryland is a very old team. They are tough in their own right. I just think West Virginia has a big advantage on the glass. Maryland plays without fouling, which is key. You can't really let this team shoot 20 or 30 free throws. You're going to lose. Who has the better guards? I think it's probably Maryland, but who has the better coach? Emphatically, it's Bob Huggins. I'm actually pretty on the fence here from a spread perspective. Two and a half, I think, is a pretty fair line. I'm leaning towards West West Virginia. I probably will put a bet on West Virginia eventually, but right now I'm sitting on my hands. Uh, The current number, I don't have a strong opinion. I mean, this is one of the few games I got bet up over a point and a half on the the opener, up to two and a half right now with, uh, with the ears there. I don't know, Jim. West for you know, or Maryland, excuse me, not the biggest team, but they are pretty good defending the rim. Um, you know, I'm not sure they're the great, the best post defense team, but they are, I think, more capable of standing up to West Virginia's size and brute force up front than people might realize. Um, it's not all that different of a team than what we saw last season, right? More of like a positionless team that gang rebounds without you know traditional positions with you know forwards and and guards could give Westfall some problems. I just liked what I saw from Westfall in the tournament. Um, so I, I do lean that way, but this is no bargain. If you're looking to lay it, I think you missed your chance to get the best number. Well, I didn't, I took two, man. Ah, so sharp. How about that? Uh, yeah, sharp. I, I, I like West Virginia as well. Kai, you mentioned filtering our, our pal Bart Torvik site. If you filter for away and neutral games, hmm. Maryland falls to like 59th or excuse me, 49th West Virginia is still a top 20 team. I think that's more indicative of, of how I perceive these squads. Maryland not playing in College Park, not quite the same. Uh, maybe there's a chance Maryland lives at the free throw line because that's what West Virginia does. They they foul a ton defensively, and Maryland can make free throws with their solid guards. But I just generally like the Huggins angle. I like that they are better uh, away from home. I trust them more. The one thing is, Kai, is this Eric Stevenson's final revenge on me where I bet on him and he goes <laughs> over 15. Oh, Jim, he's going for 30. He's going for 30 for sure. If I, oh, did I bet 30. on him, you think he's actually going to score? I yeah, know. Jim, he's this is the redemption story for you and Eric. It's going to be a handshake agreement. I love it. I hope so. I hope so. I need it. Give it to me, Eric. All right, next game up, 
Virginia and Furman. Matthew, I'll go to you here. The Cavs, the Woos, the Wahoos, the Hoos, laying five against the Paladins. Seemingly a decent matchup here for Furman, not a team that's going to batter them in the paint. Different version of Virginia with no Bennett Vanderplas. They do play a little bigger with Shedrick and Caffaro. What do you think? Right. The question is, are they going to weaponize those guys on offense? They don't really do that. It's more of like a defensive ploy, I think, by uh, by Tony Bennett. I think it actually works against them in this matchup because that's where Furman can make you pay with their inverted offense, with the way they can bring Slauson out to the perimeter. Uh, I also think Furman's found some real staying power with their role players. Uh, with how good JP Pegas has been down the stretch, just a great shot making guard. Um, and they got Ben Vanderwall, who's like kind of this unsung hero, come off the bench, just makes stuff happen, flies around, gets offensive rebounds, does the dirty work. I just think they need a little bit more. They that was their issue all year. They didn't have enough of that. It was too much loss in Bothwell um and Foster to a lesser extent. I think they're getting enough from the role guys now where you're gonna need that in a game against Virginia if you're gonna pull off an upset, right? You can't just ride star power the whole way. Um, and I like the dens, it's just a fate of Virginia. Kai, they're not that good. I'm saying it all year. I have to stick that. Um, I guess stick to my script on that one. So go Dens. It's a shame we didn't get the Ben Vanderplas versus Ben Vanderwall match. I know that everybody wanted. I agree. Uh, this is the matchup Furman wanted, in my opinion. Virginia is not crazy athletic. Furman really struggles against those type of teams. You saw the NC State 19 point loss earlier this season. Uh, I think they kind of get chewed up by athleticism. And you said it, Virginia's pack line can conducive to forcing opponents to shoot. So Furman wants to do. They do lead the country in two-point field goal percentage, but they have plenty of knockdown shooters, and they attempt threes at a top 15 rate. Bob Ritchie is data ball, baby. He likes three versus, or three versus twos, right? Smart basketball. Senior point guard in, in Bothwell, I look for that in the tournament. That's key. Fantastic coach in Bob Ritchie. Of course, Tony Bennett's no slouch. This is Ritchie's first tournament. Maybe that plays into it a little bit. Maybe Tony Bennett ends up running circles around him. Who knows? Virginia is the oldest team in the field, Jim. They're experienced. Kia Clark was on the Final Four team, for crying out loud. Um, and Furman's defense isn't great. I'm a little bit worried about that. Virginia's offense, certainly not a, a world beater by any stretch. And no BVP is, is huge. Um, but that is my only worry in this one. At five and a half, I do lean towards Furman. I, I have submitted that as a bet, Jim. Yeah, I, I thought this was actually a little low. I, I'm mm-hmm. surprised. Yeah, in my head, I thought maybe I, we would get seven or something. Like Ohio, a couple of years ago, I believe, was getting seven against this Virginia team. Ended up winning outright. Very popular pick. I'm sure Furman is going to be as well. Uh, Kai, you mentioned the the blowout loss to NC State. They also played Penn State, who is much more in the vein of not crazy athletic, more of a finesse team. And Furman lost by five. They were able to hang around in that game the whole way. Matt, I don't love the number, but I, I definitely do lean Furman here. Am I crazy for thinking that it's it's low? I know Ken Palm has it five. I just I kind of thought Virginia would be laying more. It, so I looked at what was the Ohio spread, Jim, that Virginia closed. I think we had the same like narrative. Seven, eight, but... yeah, seven. Okay, I thought it was closer to seven. But you're right. I think this Furman team's better than that Ohio team, actually. Hmm. Um, and this Virginia team's a little worse than that Virginia team. So I think if you just kind of look at that, that's an easy comedic way to handicap it. But just from that lens... Um, cause that was the same thought I had a lot of these games. I think we'll talk about very short spreads, but it's just indicative of how good the 12, 13 line is. So, yeah. And I've, I've made the case on Twitter, how much I, I think Virginia is better when Shedrick plays and, and like every on off number. Mm, that's paints that what picture. we're seeing now. Right. And, and their fans kind of resisted that idea. They said, he's a, he, all he does is commit fouls, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, I, I think he's a stout defender and now I have to bet against the version that I said is better. It's not super exciting, but I, Furman, I, I like, especially that it's at five and a half rather than five, like getting that, that extra potential win. Right. All right. Next up 
Mizzou, Utah State, Kai, we got to do it. We got to talk our Tigers. They are playing yeah. early in the day out in Sacramento. Show the shirt. Show the shirt. Come on, yeah. Let's go. Fight for old Mizzou. <laughs> oh, man. But trying to handicap this, Kai, there are some interesting angles. Maybe I'll let you get to them first. What are you thinking here? It's a Mountain West team in the tournament. They have struggled mightily this – actually, not just this year, the past five years or so. What are your thoughts on this, this game, our alma mater? The market is on the move, and I agree with the market. I grabbed plus two and a half Mizzou. It's down to one, fellas. That's right. Money Ooh, coming out of the Tigers. This morning. Oh. It just did. Literally just changed. Yeah. Tug of war. Last time it was Utah State. Now it's Mizzou. Barely Utah State. It opened two, two and a half. Come on. Come on. Uh, concern. Mizzou has not won a tournament game since 2010. Mike Anderson. Yeah, it's been 13 years. Crazy. Uh, that does not factor into this game. Just a crazy stat, in my opinion. Uh, completely opposite resumes. Mizzou, awesome resume from a schedule, from a um, actually performance perspective. Terrible predictive metrics. Utah State, weak resume, awesome predictive metrics. Hence, Utah State is favored in this game. Kempom made him a favorite. Top 20 in the country. I don't buy that. They have not beaten or played a team from a power conference all season except for Washington State. Every single big win they had was in the Mountain West. All were at home or in the Mountain West tournament when they beat Boise State. Should be a lot of points. Both teams like to shoot threes, play at a high pace. But Matt, I think Mizzou trumps Utah State in athleticism. Quickness, I think they're going to cause issues with turnovers. Utah State doesn't play through the post. They don't have a dominant post scorer. They don't even have a great offensive rebounding team. That's huge against Mizzou. It's Mizzou for me, even at plus one. I think they win this game. I disagree. I think Utah State's front line is pretty good. I mean, Trevian Doris was the best player on the floor for them against a vaunted San Diego State Aztec front line. Seven foot one guy, a guy who I think has had potential since he started at Utah State. Um, I'm sorry, started under the Craig Smith era, stayed the course there, and now is, I think, starting to become a real role player for them. And then Dan Aachen, I love, just like an athletic, bouncy rim runner. Uh, I think they have more size and more, they're a more complete roster than it seems like people are discussing. And I think the analytic, um, form of this team is i mean look at bart torvik's last 10 games utah state minus eight just based on the last 10 games alone right last five it's utah state minus 10 now i know a lot of that's baked in the you know some of the home road splits you talk about playing the mountain west beating average teams by huge margins where mizzou has yeah, had average teams yeah. right i mean mizzou's beaten a lot of bad teams in the non-con but they let those teams kind of hang around and that kind of prevented mizzou from climbing the analytic charts you could argue in a tournament game against a like minded opponent that's where the analytics skew kind of gets normalized or bounces back out in Mizzou's favor I still like this Utah State team a lot and I remember vividly watching a Ryan Odom coach team pull off history on TV one at Beer Park while TV two to the right was uh, a Mizzou second half um, meltdown against Florida State so I don't know just some weird weird deja vu in my mind Jim that's where I'm at there I mentioned both teams like to shoot threes. Well, one team gives up a ton of threes. That's Mizzou. That's the yep. scary thing. You give up a lot of open threes, too, because they gamble. Mr. Hodge is a terrific defensive swiper, but he does gamble, and then sometimes that gets exposed on the back end. If you give up open threes to Utah State, good night. Like That team is an elite, elite shooting squad, uh, basically from four of the five positions. Taylor Funk is is a sniper. If he's going to get able to, to launch – 10 to 12 threes in this one. That's really, really concerning. Hey, one for eight is last game, Jim. One for eight. He's cold. He's cold. So he's due theory. huh? How about that? Um, Matt, you mentioned Akin and and Dorius. I don't think those guys can guard Kobe Brown. He's too mobile for both of them. He can bully Funk. He can bully Bearstow. He's going to have a big game in this one unless 
Odom is able to scheme him out some way, but I I don't anticipate that happening. So there's actual edges for Mizzou there uh, with with Kobe Brown and then starting to draw double teams. That's how you get open threes. I'm just too scared of the the amount of open shots that Utah State's going to get against this defense. That's that's what scares me. They take care of the ball well enough that Mizzou's probably not going to feed off turnovers. So I'm going to sit this one out, Kai, at least officially. While I'm at Beer Park, I'm going to be betting on Mizzou. Of course. Who, who, who how, am I kidding? How about over? I'm not how about over? recommend it. Yeah. Why, why can't both teams score? I, I, I think they will, it. right? I mean, Kobe yes. Brown can have 40 in this game. Like, if it's just Aachen, he's Kobe Brown one-on-one, I mean, Kobe will just go to work. So, yeah, I like a lot of points here. Uh, total sitting at 154, 155 in the market. It is 162 at Ken Palm to tell you where how much there is a downshift for postseason play. And yeah, right. playing a little slower lately, which is part of it. But I see efficiency, efficiency, efficiency in this game. All right, we'll move on. Next up, Kansas. Kai, we go from our alma mater to our super villain. Ooh. Jayhawks, one seed, taking on Howard, looking at minus 21, 21 and a half in the market now. Mm-hmm. Howard, really impressive when Steve Settle plays. Uh, they did kind of escape with the MIAC final do they have a chance to battle here, Kyle? I'll go to you first. Uh, yeah, biggest spread of the first round before the playing game. Uh, before the playing games get to the one seed, uh, I don't really expect K to struggle here. Here's Howard's results against the top 150 this season: Kentucky lost by 32, James Madison lost by 26, Belmont by 23, Yale by 46, VCU by 10. They actually competed with VCU. Yeah. Um, they they have one baller, Elijah Hawkins. He's a great player but they're going to be simply overmatched here. Turnovers are going to be a huge problem. They're 356 in turnover rate and Kansas defense is actually pretty darn excellent. Um, The talent levels aren't close here. I lean towards Kansas at the big spread, Matt. I do too. Um, Yeah. I mean, their best guards are what a freshman sophomore with Shia and Elijah Hawkins. I think it's actually a team that's more, we're happy to be here. What a great building block this is for our program under um, Kenny Blakeney. What that's his second year now is third or fourth year near. I think it's just like a mentally, I think they roll over second half. Honestly, I think Kansas exerts their will and there's not like a, a ton of, um, you know, multiple counter punches from the dog here. So I don't know, maybe just a stupid mental psyche thing I was looking at, but um, I, I think Howard is just thrilled to be here, especially after that insane win they had against Norfolk in the tournament. I think it's a runaway though. Uh, Kansas, the way they execute, they don't take bad shots. They're going to get the easy looks against the team that should give them easier looks inside. I like the Jayhawks. Yeah, they're kind of playing with house money. You could make the argument there that like no, yeah. stress free. I, I don't know. I, I think it's more about Kansas and how good they are. I expect McCullough to be fine and back for this one after sitting out the the Big Twelve tournament championship. And that array of wings, McCullough, Dick, Wilson, is so hard to defend for power conference teams, much less a team like Howard that has recruited well and has gotten some decent down transfers. But I don't know how they can handle this KU team. There's not some fear that Howard's going to be all over it like they they are a good offensive rebounding team but i think that's fueled more by being in the MIAC than it is yes. having true size and kansas despite not having elite size it doesn't really catch up to them in this one so I, i'm a kansas guy as well in this game in this game don't that's don't right edit that you, <laughs> you internet hound traders <laughs> all right uh kai we don't have a spread yet for alabama versus Southeast Missouri State or Corpus Christi. There's a chance it's mm-hmm. higher than 21 and a half because of how good the tighter playing. Boat race. I think either Alabama way. Rolls. Boat race. Yes. yes. Yep. Absolutely. Both teams play too fast. It's going to be a crush. Yeah. Yep. That's the problem. Matt, you agree? Kind of a yeah. universal 
I was trying to find the, uh, I feel like we've said this every year about the playing game winner. Like we just auto bet the team that they're going to play. And I was a little worried that maybe we've been foolish in that angle. So I'm trying to dig up the data on that, but yes, off the top of the head, no questions. An absolute run. I know. I know Wright state got rolled by Arizona last year. They might've covered though. They lost by 17. That was like a weird like backdoor thing. Yeah. Yeah. First half Arizona was up big. I think. Yeah. Okay. I can see that being a decent angle there as well. Alabama first half. Uh, the travel isn't awesome. You got to go from Dayton to, I believe, Birmingham is where this game is being played. Yeah, we'll see. All right, next up, Arizona and Princeton. Nope, San Diego State, Charleston. Jim, come on, read the outline. Stay dialed in. Come on, stay dialed. Come on, baby. Uh, mentioned the Mountain West stuff with with Utah State. They are zero and nine against the spread in their last nine games. This conference as a whole, last 50, 14 and 35 with one push. Like it, it is a long running trend of struggles for this turn, this conference in the tournament. Now we got San Diego state laying five against Charleston. Matt, the CAA has actually been sneaky. Good 22 and 11 in the big dance against the spread. They have lost three in a row. So it's not a, a super hot recent trend, but where are you looking here? Charleston, Maybe a team that wants to run San Diego State more going to dominate you in the half court. What are you looking at? And I feel like a hypocrite. I was saying the Aztecs were a team I was looking to back for a deep run, and they looked pretty impressive in the Mountain West tournament. I know they um, fended off some uh, very desperate efforts from capable teams, um, and I guess maybe got lucky to catch Utah State, who was stone cold from three in that title game. I still think it's a really complete team with a little more upside than the usual Aztecs have. All of that said, my best bet is Charleston. Um, a big reason why, this is a West Coast to East Coast travel. Uh, the Aztecs will be playing at noon at local time out there in Orlando. Um, kind of got screwed with this draw. I mean, to win that tournament and the conference, you sweep both. And then they have to travel east to play a team that's uh, that's red hot in Charleston who stays in their own same time zone. Pat Kelsey um, can coach. We've seen him play yes. really well in this dog setting before. I know Dutcher's a great coach too, but um, you know Charleston. The one thing we talked about with the offensive rebounding, even though people look at the mid majors who can offensive rebound and think they can't replicate that against the big boys, I actually think they can. That's why a lot of the giant killer formulas pop for teams like Charleston who can shoot threes and create expositions on the offensive glass. It's more about effort than it is like size mm-hmm. or physicality, right? It's like we want to go to the glass versus we don't. Um, and I think that angle actually will play well against the Aztecs, who are a good defense or good rebounding team, but not invincible on that end. So I like yeah. Charleston. I mean, I like them a lot in my best bet. Yeah, I, I love both teams. It kind of sucks they're playing each other, to be honest. Um, but it's not a bad draw for Charleston, though. They needed to avoid a team with an explosive offense that would welcome a fast-paced game and play a lot of possessions. That's not San Diego State. Their offense is definitely better than in the past, but they still prefer a half-court game. They aren't a Bama or an Iowa or a Gonzaga. Three-point looks will be there for Charleston. Ironically, they've shot very poorly from deep, but they have shooters, and they do like to let it fly. They're top 10 in the country in three-point attempt rate. San Diego State, 280th in three-point attempt rate allowed, tend to pack it in more. Charleston's very deep. Just about every single player also has a giant chip on his shoulder, which I love in a tournament setting. They're basically constant underdog mindset, a lot of energy. But San Diego State's experienced. They're also deep. It's, it's kind of a toss-up when it comes to uh, who wants it more, Jim, I, I'll say. Charles's defense, to Matt's point, with the giant killer thing, it's no joke. I think they're going to make this a pretty tough game. We saw them beat Virginia Tech and Kent State in the non-conference. They beat Colorado State by 10. They hung with UNC. I think they can win this game. I do lean their way, Jim, at plus 5.5 right now. Yeah, 5.5. That's what we're getting, Matt, his his best mm-hmm. bet price there. Love having that, that hook, I'm sure. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I, I'm very split on the side here. I, I think it's actually an okay matchup for San Diego State, too. I was worried about them getting 
Drake or, or maybe a, a different, uh, potentially an Oral Roberts one would have spooked me big time uh, for, for the San Diego State team. But Charleston, like you said, Kai, not actually the elite shooting team that we've seen. Yeah. The angle I like a lot here is the under. Uh, I, I think Charleston has actually proven to be a bit of a pace taker. Uh, they, they've played some really yeah. slow games against teams that will play slow. And San Diego State has has hit the brakes since league play started. They they ran a lot in the non-con and then slowed it way down in, in Mountain West play, played three slow games in the Mountain West tournament. Their defense is really, really stout, best one in, in that conference. So I, I like the under. I think this game ends up playing a lot slower than Charleston wants. And hopefully, Matt, for you, that helps the underdog. Less possessions for yeah. that uh, sample size to bear out. So I'm probably not going to bet the side. Uh, unless I do something live, I've said all season Charleston is a live betting team. Get in one way or the other. Might might do something with that once the game starts, but pre-flop only going to go with the under. I'll say this. If the Aztecs are smart, they should look to push because you're going to get a team that's looking to crash the glass. You'll get easy looks in transition if you want to run here. But don't. I, if you're Dutcher, I wouldn't pigeonhole yourself to the half court. I, I think you could get in trouble. All right, next up, as I alluded to earlier, Arizona-Princeton. Finally going to get to this one, the 2 versus 15 matchup. Princeton uh, also kind of escaped from the Ivy. We're able to get a, a big one there. They are getting 14, 14 and a half right now at Bet Rivers is the spread. Kai, feels like Arizona can smash in the paint here with their dominant front court duo. Princeton has a decent paint presence, but they're just not the same size, caliber mm-hmm. of athlete that Arizona has. And Princeton's defense doesn't scare me in terms of the point guard shortcomings that Arizona has. So what, what, yeah. what do you think of this game? Yeah, Ivy teams tend to give power squads trouble in the dance. I don't have stats to back that up, but it's because they play really smart. And their offense, the Princeton offense, is very difficult to prepare for, especially if you haven't seen a lot of it. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if Princeton hung tough in the first half here um, before Arizona kind of makes adjustments in the second. This is also the by far the best teams Princeton has played all season. They played at Hofstra team that ranks 90 in Kempom. Other than that, it's Yale. That's basically it. A little bit worried about that. Matt Princeton does have a lot of versatile size. It's not Arizona size, but it's something. But if Tosan gets in foul trouble, Princeton's best player, they're screwed without him. Um, I, I like that he can pull Ballo or Tubelis away from the rim in the little Princeton offense, facilitate, initiate from the top of the key. But if he gets in foul trouble, they're done. Zona has too much talent. Again, I think Princeton can hang for a bit, and maybe the angle is Princeton first half here. But Zona has a pretty strong track record of decimating inferior competition this season, and I think they just might do it again. Yeah, I'm looking at last uh, since 2005 per Bet Labs, Ivy is 11 and 10 against the spread, but 1.75 okay. cover margin. So I think that's more indicative of what you're saying. Yep. Maybe some bad variants there swung against the actual record, but um, yeah, I think the nuance of what the ivy schools run tends to be somewhat of a uh it's tough to solve for the coaches outside of the league they don't know it as well as the coaches inside the league um maybe first half princeton if you really want to get involved yeah, here with the dog I but i just think it's, it's not, yeah that's what i'm thinking it's yeah. men versus boys though and that, that's what i worry about like over the course of 40 minutes like i know tosan's kind of a physical specimen he actually looks like a pac-12 player but no one else in this roster um i mean it's just it, it's a categorically different beast here that's my concern if you're a princeton backer nothing for me officially though yeah i'm, I'm starting to like that that first half angle as well it, the, the also interesting thing is you you perceive oh the ivy rep's going to have a bunch of lethal shooters in that offense it's not really princeton they don't have mm-hmm. a ton of dominant perimeter players they don't take that many threes uh matt Alaco is the one who's really come on strong but uh, it's not like a dotting the perimeter with a bunch of guys you have to stay glued to I do think it feels like the kind of thing where Arizona will wear them down. 
extend to the second half. Uh, I know we bet Purdue last year against Yale, and it, it did take the, the size some time to really yeah. smash mm-hmm. that interior. But uh, I, I think we see something similar again here. I just don't love fading Arizona and, in, the, in the favorite spot. And Jim, who can forget? Oh, God. Pen to first pen first 15, yes. 16 seed against Kansas, baby. That yes. hit. The Ivies, they come out strong. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, that's probably another good look there is, is, yeah. uh, first 15 because of, the, I think, the, real, go ahead, Matt. Like the Princeton, sorry, real quick, the Princeton and Charleston thing, it just hit me. I think we'd agree they're better shooting teams than how they've shot this year, which makes them impressive because they've had success despite not shooting the lights out, right? They've kind of found other ways to score, um, inside the arcs. So I kind of think it gives them upside as like a, you know, a team that's looking to pull off a giant killer. Yeah, I mean, they they play mostly through bigs. Kelman and, and Woman are like their two highest yeah. used players by far. It's not it's not some sort of perimeter barrage. Uh, all right, next up, Arkansas, Illinois. Highly intriguing round one matchup here of teams that I think you could objectively say underperformed this season, disappointed a little bit to their talent levels. Um, I, I definitely respect both coaches, but we've got Arkansas lane three, Matthias, two and a half in some places, depending where you're able to to shop around. Uh, but bet rivers, I can't bet Kai. We, we, you're in Illinois. Yeah, I can't access bet rivers out here in, in the desert, unfortunately, but Matthias, what are you looking at with this game? Arkansas, Illinois, the eight, nine matchup. I don't like this version of Illinois. It seems like I'm the only person though, as I've thought through it over the night that is interested in betting Illinois just at the number um, because we know they can rise and, and play to, you know, basically as good as anyone in the country. But Jim, you mentioned this last night. We haven't seen that version like in three months. So maybe that version just ain't <laughs> ever coming back. The one that beat UCLA and Texas, um, you know, two legit two seeds. Arkansas with their talent. Muscle win with his tournament track record. I guess that's the right side. Um, I just can't lay three. That seems too many for a team in Illinois who I still think has big time upside. It's yeah, I see across the board two and a half right now, but I bet this game closes three, three and a half. Um, I, I think people are going to keep betting the hogs. Both these teams have the, oh, look out. Here they come. That's what people have said about both these teams several times this season, and they just haven't lived up to it. Even Arkansas, man, uh, two talented teams. Arkansas is more talented. Really think Nick Smith is still that game changer that can make uh, can facilitate a, a deep run in the tournament here. It's going to be fun. Both teams are really up-tempo. Both teams have a ton of length across all five positions. I do think Illinois will get to the line, but their offense has been stagnant lately, man. They, 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 they t- take such bad shots. And I think that's going to be a problem in the tournament. And Arkansas attacks the rim. Illinois pretty much built to stop that action, but I think they find more success in Illinois' offense. Um, I don't think it's cu- as cut and dry as, as people think, Jim, for Arkansas. Kind of agree with Matt. There might be some value on Illinois eventually here. If we're in Vegas and it gets three, three and a half, I might lean towards the Illini, but Musselman has shown he can eke out wins in the dance. So lean towards Arkansas at, at two and a half. Yeah, these are two pretty similar teams in my mind, a, a very flexible rosters with a lot of different ways you can play. But neither team can shoot at all. It's going to be yeah. a lot of brick threes going on in this one. Um, unfortunately, only Illinois takes a lot of threes. Arkansas is at least smart enough to not take them because they know they're not very good at it. So they get downhill more. Uh, and Illinois' defensive percept or uh, uh, goal is to get you off the three-point line. They rank top 25 in three-point attempt rate against. So if you're funneling Arkansas off the line into the paint, that's doing exactly what they want you to do. Like That's ideal for them. So I think that's a pretty ideal matchup angle. I do have some concerns about Arkansas's fouling tendencies in Illinois living at the free throw line, but Illinois doesn't make free throws. So that's not really as big of an advantage as it could be in that one. 
I, I like Kai said, I've kind of been waiting on both these teams to have their surge upwards and we haven't seen it. But I do think Arkansas has looked a little bit more high upside lately. Illinois hasn't beaten a really hasn't pulled off an impressive win since like November. Uh, no Q1 wins since November. So I, I'm going to lean towards Arkansas. I don't love the number, but uh, I think it sounds more fun to be on the must bus than right now. The, the way the Underwood Illinois train has kind of derailed. All right, next up, going to Iowa and Auburn, another 8-9 game here, looking for the honor of playing Houston, likely, in the second round. Kind of two different teams, whereas I perceive uh, Illinois, or excuse me, Arkansas and Illinois as as similar. Uh, very, very defensive interior with Auburn, lighted up offensive team with Iowa. Who has the edge, Matthias, looking at a spread of, can't find it right now. Uh, Auburn minus one. Thank you. Appreciate it. Kai, Matthew, yes. too. I I kind of like Iowa as much as I hate their defense. Um, the reason is pretty simple. I don't think Auburn consistently attacks their opponent's um, weakness just because those guards can kind of go rogue. That That's my concern. Wendell Green, Katie Johnson. Like, you got Joe and I Ream up front. You got Jalen Williams, the guys that can probably punish this very brittle front line for Iowa. Um but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they sometimes can get off script. I think that plays to Iowa's favor, especially get some long misses, some rebounds that lead to transition opportunities where Iowa's absolutely lethal. They can find cheaters there with space and um, in the open floor. I lean their way. This one is such a live betting game for me, though. right? I feel like there's, there's going to be some massive back-and-forth runs in this. Uh, so that's probably what I'll be targeting here. Uh, pre-flop, this feels like a real crapshoot, though. Uh, yeah, this is a pillow fight of an eight, my eight, nine matchup, man. Uh, in my opinion, both teams are, are way overseeded. Neither inspire confidence. I don't think either will make a deep run. McCaffrey's never made a sweet 16 in 23 years of coaching, actually 23 plus years of coaching, 25, 26, whatever. Um, Iowa's really weak defensively, but Auburn's erratic. It's very possible guys like Wendell Green and Katie Johnson are cold and Auburn's simply limited if, if they are cold, if they're hot, great team. If they're not, they're in trouble. Whereas Iowa's offense is very uh, consistent, reliable. They're scary good, top five in the country offensively. Auburn has the athleticism edge. They have more length. But Iowa's so versatile on offense, I don't think it matters. They can shoot post. Theoretically, Auburn has bodies that can check Murray. Broom's a good stopper for Bracha. It's just a tough toss-up here, Jim. Probably my least confident game, honestly, Auburn-Iowa right now. The total is kind of a toss-up as well. Sorry, I have some internet connection issues That's over okay. here. Um, yeah, th- this one is a very big coin flip for me. I, I have a hard time getting a handicap angle going. Uh, you've got Big Ten versus SEC. Two conferences I think are probably going to largely overperform or underperform, excuse mm-hmm. me, in the dance. Not a huge fan of that either. Tend to, to ride more with the defensive team, which would lead me to Auburn, but uh, I'm not fully ready to, to trust them yet either. I'm going to let this one permeate in my brain a little bit longer before I make a, a wagering recommendation on it. Let's go to a more fun matchup, Matt. One that has me pretty excited. Duke versus Oral Roberts. Mm-hmm. Got your Blue Devils laying six and a half. They've gotten a lot of love because of how much better they played of late. They're healthier. But may I remind you, it was against the worst ACC in years. Right. Um, it, it wasn't like they were blowing away some top dominant conference they got shorthanded Virginia. They got shorthanded uh, Miami when O'Meara went down. Maybe there's some holes to punch in just how well they're playing at this stage. And Oral Roberts is not an underdog you want to take lightly. 
Everybody shoots on that roster. They've got a true star in Ace Miss, possibly the best player on the floor here. What do you think with your Blue Devils, Matt, laying six and a half? Yeah, brutal draw for, I mean, honestly, both teams. I think Oral Roberts was like, you know, second weekend caliber. I, but to catch Duke, I mean, I know this is where we disagree. I do think Duke's like a legit top 10, maybe even top five team right now, the way they've been playing, even with all the asterisks you want to slap on the recent run. Cover five of the last six can point to real reasons why they are light and day better. Um, with Lively kind of popping as a legit rim protector. They've kind of balanced the minutes with him and Filipowski really nicely. Proctor is all the way there. The guy I thought we'd see preseason. Roach looks like he's kind of doing the old clutch uh, thing that we saw carry Duke um, in a couple of games last year, despite all the talent they had. Just a lot of talent. And, um, you know, while Shire is not, uh, you know, he still has a lot to prove as a coach. He certainly looked a lot better, especially in some of these tighter games where the pace has slowed down. He's shown he can execute. Um, pretty important here. I like Oral Roberts' first half, though. I think they're going to struggle to guard the Vanover pick-and-pop dynamic that Oral Bob is so good at. I think they'll adjust, and kind of their talent exerts its advantage in the second half. But first half, I think Oral Roberts kind of similar to my Princeton angle. I like Oral Bob first half. Uh, yeah, Duke has not played a top-30 team since November 25th. So all nine of those wins, they they just rattled off. None of them top-30 teams. ACC's weak. Um, but... They are the probably the best five seed right now, the way they're playing. Um, they're playing more like a two or a three, I would I would say. I'd give you that, Matt. Um, Oral Roberts the most dangerous 12, though, for my money. Um, they're an old team. They've played together for many years. Ace Miss and McBride, that's arguably a better backcourt than what Duke has right now. Oh, you, you, relaxed. At this relaxed. at this age, the current version. What? Wait, no, I, mean, I think it's not. arguable. It's absolutely arguable. Yeah. Right I think Ace Miss is a bit. Ace is maybe the best player on the floor, but like, I mean, I know McBride's good, but come on, he's not better than Proctor. McBride was a top 100 recruit at Kansas. I know. He's got pedigree. He's not better than the other Duke cards. No, I think there's a big drop off. I think it's arguable. I think it's arguable. Uh, Duke is the biggest team in the country. Oral Roberts has Vanover. They have a muscle guy with Patrick Mwamba. Oral Bob has to hit shots. They can definitely do that. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're not going to make stupid mistakes. I think that's key for a giant killer, a team that won't beat itself. The question is, can they keep Duke off the glass? I'm not really sure they can. Uh, Duke's offensive rebounding is pretty ridiculous. Um, they do have the more athletic team. But this possession count, though, Jim, could be could be sub-70. It could be a pretty slow game, which would favor Oral Roberts. I, I can't help but remember Oral Roberts losing to Houston by 38 earlier this season. Perhaps extreme athletes' physicality is a problem. But this Duke team is in Houston. I want to see seven for Oral Roberts before I make a bet here. But I lean towards Oral Roberts. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably bet Oral Roberts first to 15, even more narrow than Matt's first half angle. I think that offense is just going to be like, whoa, okay, everybody on this floor can shoot. I, I helped too far off of Mwamba, and he made a three. I helped too far off of Thompson, and he made a three. It's going to be uh, maybe a blitz to start, but Duke does have the size athleticism to wear them down. Matt, it feels a little like the Duke-UNC-Wilmington game from like six years ago where it was a really fun underdog that everybody was excited to back. And Duke eventually won by eight and, and kind of took care of business. I believe covered that game as well. Yeah, barely um, did it though. I think, yeah. So it, it, it that scares me off just getting excited about the fun dog here. Uh, but I, I want to narrow it down. Like I said, isolate a, a little bit of an earlier segment and, and get on the offense of Oral Roberts. We'll, we'll see what Duke does long term in that in that game though. All right, next up, Texas in Colgate. Raiders definitely a darling for everybody. They have just repeatedly won the Patriot tournament. It's basically been the Colgate Invitational. They've <laughs> been in this event repeatedly. All these all these guys have played in an NCAA tournament. But Texas is hyper experienced too. 
not really the the edge you want there. And man, is there an athletic gap between these two teams? Yeah. It is a yeah. gulf, a chasm, an ocean. Texas laying 13 and a half, 14 Kai. Is this another one where we should be looking first half? What do you what do you think? Yeah, it's maybe one of the better 15 seeds we've ever seen in Colgate. Um, they, they, they have a top 45 offense. They're number one in the country in effective field goal percentage, number one in three-point percentage, weirdly 335th in free throw percentage. That one doesn't really add up. Uh, they move the ball really well. They take really good shots. And here's here's the athleticism point. We thought North Arkansas, at least I did, would overwhelm them last year with athleticism. They held tough, man. They should have beaten Arkansas. Um, Texas should overwhelm them. But give Colgate's big some credit. Records and Woodward are solid players. They are pretty strong inside. Counterpoint, Auburn beat him by 27 this year. So that kind of throws it out the window if you want to do an athleticism comparison. I don't really see how Colgate stops Texas, Matt. The Longhorns probably get whatever they want offensively. But again, Colgate plays smart. They do rebound well as a team defensively. It's a lot of points to lay against an experienced and smart team like Colgate. I do kind of lean their way as a, as a 13 and a half point dog. I lean toward Colgate, but just to add to your counterpoint, I mean, remember that Arkansas game? It was basically a tale of two games. It was Arkansas comes out and sort of plays with its food, and then who was it? Uh, gets the sky hook over what's his face, and then Colgate does the little man taunt, and then they basically records, poke the bear. The, the bear, records. yeah, records does it, and then Arkansas like, oh, okay, you're gonna taunt us, and then they just <laughs> unleashed pressure, and Colgate could not get a look. The rest, I mean, like, I think if that game plays out over a full forty minutes. Arkansas wins by a 30. And if Texas comes out with that kind of defensive intensity, I worry that's what happens again. But if they don't, Colgate can run their stuff, they make shots, then you got to play catch up. And that's where I think, again, I like a first half angle here with the dog. Um, but it's also a better live bet. I think you, you key in on how aggressive is Texas going to defend. If they're going to commit to you know picking up, getting in jock straps, then I think they're a really good bet here as a favorite um, against the trendy dog pick. But I think I have to see it first. So it's a live bet for me or first half Colgate bet. Yeah, I, I kind of like Texas here. I just think the athleticism edge is too overwhelming. And and like you said, w- once Arkansas really turned it on, that game went from 33 to 19 to 85 to 68, like a 66 to 30 <laughs> swing. Like Yeah, Colgate did domination. not cover that game. Yeah. No, yeah, it was it was wild. They had a 19-0 run going into halftime. And last year, Colgate got maybe the dream matchup you could have, a super overseeded Wisconsin team yep. that doesn't have an athleticism edge, mm-hmm. and Colgate still couldn't get it done, ended up losing by seven. Right right around that number, Kai, I believe it was like seven, seven and a half. Yep. Had a, had a dramatic couple of late free throws in that game. It, it'd be a Texas lean for me there. Have not bet it yet, though. Still, still waiting on that assessment. Uh, next up. Northwestern is back in the NCAA tournament. Purple Cats comfortably make it this year. Seven seed. Now they're taking on Boise State. Yet another Mountain West team. The conference that has really struggled to cover so far uh, in the NCAA tournament in recent years. Northwestern laying one and a half. Kai, what do you think of the Purple Cats and the Broncos? Uh, most, most boring matchup of the first round by far. Um, yeah, I agree. Pro- projected I agree. 65 possessions, 128 total now at Bet Rivers. It's gotten bet down. It's on a True bit. TV. It's yeah. good. The program was good here. It's a True Makes TV, sense. put it back burner of the primetime spot. Smart. Yeah. Two top 15 defenses. Both play tough. They don't really seed an inch. They match up well with each other in terms of size. They both protect the defensive glass. Northwestern's a pain in the butt to score against inside. I think it's a pretty big toss up here. I, I, I think Boise's a better team, but Northwestern has that never say die attitude. Again, I go back to the chip on the shoulder thing. Northwestern's full of those guys. Coaching, Leon Rice over Chris Collins all day long. Um, so point in Boise's favor. 
guards, Northwestern probably has a better backcourt, but Marcus Shaver might have claimed the best player uh, on the floor. TBD, toss-up, arguable. Matt, I'm not choosing a side quite yet. I'll have to wait till Vegas. Your thoughts? I lean Northwestern, and I don't feel good about it. Uh, I don't. I think Boo is the best part on the floor. Uh, other yeah, profound he thoughts is. here. He probably is. I think Boise's uh, switchability is is valuable. I think uh, Rice did a nice job weaponizing that this year. I don't really have like a legit big. They, you know, I have Tyson Deanhard and um, Zabuzi Agbo from Texas Tech and Najee Smith, who's sort of a Swiss Army knife guy. All long, versatile, can maybe create some mismatch issues. Um, but I still think the guard play of Northwestern and their interior rim protection is the difference here. Matt, tell me why I shouldn't bet the under in this game. Why is this? Yeah, not I can't find one. Grind? I can't find one. You should do it. This is an endorsement okay. right here on live on air. Yep. I would be a little surprised if it hit 65 possessions. Boise has been, they, they slow down in the postseason. Um, that shockingly had a 73 possession or 71 possession game against Utah state. But the game before that was 71 in overtime that 59 possession game late with San Diego state. I think this turns into a grind. Both teams have very stout defenses as well. So I, I would probably be betting the under in that one. Next up. Houston, Northern Kentucky, shocked to see a little bit of money come towards Northern Kentucky on the early betting markets. Uh, it was open 20, definitely hit 19. Now I'm seeing 19 and a half out yeah. there. Kai, we have a strong lean here. We basically raced to the podium to get a best bet in. So I'm yeah. going to let you take it because you beat me. Yeah, I actually grabbed 18 and a half um, at a book I saw here. Um, it is 19 at Bet Rivers right now. I think it's a bloodbath. Houston's my best bet. I bet it closes over 20, especially when Sasser's announced in, which I expect him to be. Um, Northern Kentucky plays a funky zone. It's super susceptible to offensive rebounding, and that is where Houston has the edge. Top five in the country in offensive rebounding rate. Kelvin Sampson practices with bubbles on the rim in practice like all season long. They they just do rebounding drills. It's a team built to rebound. They live for it. Uh, Northern Kentucky, 333rd nationally in defensive rebounding rate. Not great. I don't see how NKU scores either. They're experienced. They have a very good backcourt, but Houston is swarming, way more athletic, way tougher. Matt, I think it's a matchup nightmare for NKU. And the Horizon, as we know, have gotten blitzed the last few tournaments. So Houston minus 19 is my best bet. I love it. I'll just play devil's advocate for those who uh, want to hear counterpoints, not to be overly group thinking here. Um, Marcus Sasser, I think there's a real risk. He does not play his normal workload or is not 100%. I think that's a notable thing here. Um, you can certainly see them being up 20 at half and like, all right, Marcus, you can sit out. We got a game in 48 hours here. We don't need you tonight. Um, secondly, North, uh, Northern Kentucky's guards are really underrated. Like another okay. horizon thing has been, um, we, we've beaten that in, into the end of the ground, but their guards are really good. Like can make shots, um, you know, Warwick and Vincent and Rhodes and Faulkner. I mean, like guys who can make shots off the dribble and from range if you're a 16 seed trying to compete, you're going to need to make some tough shots. So uh, there are some tough shot makers on this roster and the zone, while it's going to be a haven for offensive rebounding, it still might be a wrench in Houston's general offensive rhythm. Um, so I can see that actually going both ways. That's three feeble points in the favor of the North Shim. I will be on Houston myself, but if the Kentucky's hanging around with Houston and we're like, ah, here's that Houston offense again, can't score. Um, I think that's also could be coupled with the fact that NKU's hot and, you know, maybe it's a closer game than we think. Yeah, also probably going to be low possessions. That's one other thing in, yep. in the advantage of the dog here. Uh, but I think the efficiency gap is going to be massive. Like we could see Houston go 1.1 points per possession because they get a million offensive rebounds. 
and and KU struggles to hit contested jumpers and is down at like 0.7 points for possession. Uh, last last time Houston was a super high seed and played a Horizon team was two years ago. They played Cleveland State. Dejan Giroux got hurt immediately, but Houston grabbed 49% of their misses and won by 31. Like absolutely I think smashed. happen. I, I, it's like the most obvious matchup angle to me where they will have 20 offensive rebounds if, if they have any desire to do so, and they rebound rapidly. So I think they will, uh, even in a low possession game, I like Houston. I will be betting Houston first half, probably for more than full game, but I will be betting both of those. Uh, I think they're both very valuable, valid angles. Kai, you brought up North Carolina, Texas Southern Preston in 2017. Like yeah. we talked about That's how it was most obvious, and it was 103 to 64. Yeah. Um, UNC grabbed 20 offensive rebounds, 49% of the misses. So yeah, just yeah. A, a relevant precedent there. Yeah. And, and that's one where, uh, that was a faster game, but I think we could see right. a miniature version of it because of the, the tempo here. Uh, next up, Tennessee and Louisiana, the raging Cajuns getting 10 and a half against the balls. <laughs> Matthias, I think people want to pick and bet, pick and bet against Tennessee because of no Ziegler and Rick Barnes's history in the tournament. Should they be doing so in this game? Uh, you told me not to fall back into the trap of betting a highly power-rated Tennessee um, while ignoring their execution flaws, which have shown up multiple times in postseason formats. I'm going to be stubborn. I think I'll probably back Tennessee here again. Just a bad matchup uh, for Louisiana. I think this feels like, as we've said, a strength on strength. Um, one game that comes to mind uh, as I continue my random NCAA tournament game precedence, Cal, Cal State Fullerton against Purdue a couple years back, where it was like, mm-hmm. Fullerton's awesome on the glass. Okay, well, against Purdue, what, what's that going to do for you, right? So I think Louisiana with their size and physicality up front, um, Tennessee is just the absolute biggest, baddest team physically in the field, arguably. So I, they negate that. Can they execute an offense? Probably not. I'm going to lay 10 and a half. They're going to be up five late. I'm going to be pissed off that they can't score. <laughs> but I think Tennessee does advance here. And probably um, if they're making shots, it should be a blowout. But that's that's a big if. Louisiana is going to be a sexy pick here. I'm not so sure. I, I think it's like the worst matchup possible for them to draw uh, of the four seeds. Um, no Ziegler, but there's plenty of talent on Tennessee to get to the second weekend. Louisiana's played one power team all season. That was Texas. They lost by 28 points. Jordan Brown is great, but he's going to be smothered by some really strong players in Tennessee. Maybe Louisiana gets to the line, but they will have trouble scoring inside and attacking the rim. Tennessee's defense is number two in the entire country, number two in effective field goal percentage. They're just really tough to score on. On the other end, Louisiana's defense is so-so. It's just a huge talent gap between Tennessee and and Louisiana. And the biggest point here, Jim, Tennessee blows out inferior competition. That is why they're rated so highly in analytics. They've beaten teams 10 times by 30 or more points this season, 10 times by 30 or more, and one team was 29. So basically 11 teams have beaten by 30. I think they can do it again. I, I lean towards the balls. Yeah, I wish Louisiana was better defensively. That that would be yeah. what would get me excited about this matchup. Uh, Tennessee gives up a ton of threes. No one has made them all year. Hello, SEC. That's normal. Uh, but Louisiana can shoot. They don't prefer to. They're pretty low ranked in three-point attempt rate, but they, they make threes. Uh, and so if they get hot here, perhaps they have a chance to compete going against a team that allows that kind of frequency. But yeah, like the ideal matchup with with Louisiana was okay. You have this star big man Jordan Brown, former five star recruit. Now you have to go against a really stout front line. Plasic, Kamwa, going to be hurling bodies at him in there. That that isn't ideal for the Cajuns. 
I'm I'm not sold on on where to go with this one, but I'm mostly scared of the way Tennessee. I know they've lost early in tournaments, but they beat Longwood by 32 last year. They blew out Wright State a few years back, just absolutely dominated. I, I think they're more of a susceptible to power conference competition that can match athleticism yeah. and knock down triples. So I'm going to sit that one out. I'm pretty sure we all thought Longwood would compete last year with Tennessee. Yep. And it was and not, not never close. It was never yeah. close. <laughs> yep. That was, I, I think I bet like under 34 and a half biggest blowout last year. Uh, and it got close. This, this was one of them that got super, yeah. super close. Uh, all right. Next up, Texas A&M versus Penn state. The Aggies laying three. I think a lot of people surprised they got a seven. People are saying the committee disrespected them because Buzz Williams was mean to the committee the prior year. I, love that. I, think that I hope that was the case. It's a goofy narrative. <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> but Matt, I've been hoping that Tennessee or the Texas A&M's compact defense would face somebody that can knock down threes for a while. And now they face maybe one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, both in terms of volume and efficiency. And I don't think A&M's offense is going to really bother. I mean, they're athletic. They will get to the rim. They will they will seek fouls. But Penn State doesn't really foul. They're very disciplined. Shrewsbury's a great coach. Penn State's my best bet here, plus three. I think the matchup is fantastic for them. Am I right? Am I wrong, Matthias? Um, I see two teams that are really undervalued, very underseated, playing really well right now and got screwed by being pinned against one another, um, especially when you factor in that both coaches are excellent. I will likely be picking... Likely be picking the winner to beat Texas as much as I've, uh, I have a renewed respect for Texas, but I do think both match up well, Texas, that next matchup. Kai on this one. I don't know, man. I, booty ball, Jalen Pickett, um, A&M certainly physical enough and tenacious enough defensively to at least counter that to some degree. I think they also have a pretty big advantage in their front line mm-hmm. and buzz is a good tournament coach. I think he knows that's where they have an edge. That's where he should be trying to put his chips. If he commits to that, I like A&M on the, knows, but I sort of see where Jim's leaning here. Just the fact that Penn State's playing so well, the way they can spread you and shoot it. So, the Nittany's could be a good look to... I mean, this is the exact matchup we wanted for Texas A&M, right? Uh, A&M has lived playing bad shooting teams in the SEC. It's the worst shooting three-point conference in America, like we've said a hundred times. What happens when they play a team that can shoot and lives by and and dies by the three? That's Penn State. Top ten in the country in three-point shooting. They get hot in a hurry. They stay hot. They handle the ball. And Jalen Pickett, I know AM is physical and has length. I don't think anybody can really contain him. He's so versatile and he's he's so he's an all-American. Uh he's gonna be the best player on the floor. AM also relies on bully ball. They rely on offensive rebounding, attacking, getting fouled. Penn State has seen plenty of that style of play in the Big Ten. They're a terrific defensive rebounding team despite their size, and they also play without fouling. Penn State's also one of the most experienced teams in the country. They play all upperclassmen. They're all really old. I think they're over a four-point average on, on experience, a.k.a. they're all seniors plus. Give me the Nittany Lions here, plus three. I totally endorse Jim's decision here. Yeah, yeah. another point there on the uh, the shooting thing within the conference, the free throw within the SEC. Foul rate's very high in that league. The reps call a lot. True. Um, and so yeah. now you're playing Penn State, and if you're going to take away AM's primary source of offense, which I think they're second in the country in percentage of points scored at the free throw line. Yes, second. Um, yeah. All right. You know what, Jim, I'm bad in Penn state. I'm convinced yeah. you, right you see Penn state's it's like, Oh, you have size. Big deal. We play size every single day. Lost to Purdue by two. They beat Purdue once. Like they, they are capable, um, of, of pulling off that upset. Wait, did they beat Purdue? Am I making that up? I don't know if they beat Purdue. No, they didn't. They got they, triple swapped, but they competed. Yeah. Yeah. They competed. Um, yeah, it, Dexter Dennis seems like a great matchup for Pickett, but I'm with Kai. I, I think he's just too good and is 
almost matchup proof in the way he uh, attacks and is a unique interior scorer as a guard. So yeah, Penn State plus three, best bet. All right, last game on the outline for Thursday, UCLA versus UNC Asheville. I got to be honest, Kai, this game has not super been on my radar here. Bruins minus 18. The Big South teams have typically not fared overly well in the tournament. We talked about how Longwood got absolutely demolished last season. This feels like UCLA just kind of out-executes them, limits their offense. The the, the only two, I mean, it's very Jones and Pember reliant. UCLA is good enough to limit that. What are you doing with this one? Yeah, Jalen Clark's going to be a problem eventually, but it's not going to be a problem here. Um, Asheville has Drew Pember, who's a pro, and Tajion Jones, who can get piss hot from deep. That's about it, though. You stop them, you stop the Bulldogs, and I kind of uh, I think Mick Cronin will, will hone in on that. They have the sixth best three-point percentage in the country. They have the 12th highest free-throw attempt rate. Nobody gets the line more than Pember in the entire nation, but... UCLA's defense is really good. They're actually number one in the country right now defensively. They're solid in every single aspect. UNC Asheville cannot handle the ball. That's going to be a problem. They're shaky. UNC Asheville is old. They have experience like many other mid-majors here that we like. But I think UCLA just overwhelms the mat with talent on the other end. There's no match for Jaime Jaquez. There's no match for Tiger Campbell. Asheville is by far the weakest 15 seed. And they also lost to Arkansas by 34 this year. I think we've seen them against power competition. They just don't stack up. So so I probably will take UCLA in this one. Yeah, you definitely have to monitor the injury situation with uh, with Bona for UCLA. I, I don't know if it matters in this matchup, I guess, but um, I, mean, I think they win, like they advance. I, but if you're looking to back UCLA, I'd like to feel better about having your best defensive big up front. Not that sure he'll guard Drew Pember, but certainly we'll would see action on him and could negate Pember's rebounding, which is really how he scores um, in the Big South. Like he's an awesome player, can shoot it, super skilled, former Tennessee transfer, right? Clearly looks like a SEC player in that conference, but he does a lot of his damage just on the glass. You're not doing that against UCLA. So, um, but again, without Bona, maybe he does find some success there. That's my one angle with this one. Make sure you get his status and um, that that should be a key part of this handicap. Yeah, you'd like to have Clark too to throw at Tajon Jones, be let him blanket him, but I don't think it catches up to them here. We saw UCLA. Uh, I know they struggled a little bit with Colorado and Oregon, but uh, ended up covering both of those games. And uh, I think it's when they really step up in class. Somebody like Arizona, that missing Clark shows up, especially so UCLA lean as well. A uh, quick recap of best bets, Matt, before we let people go for this Thursday show. Go to you first, Matthias. Charleston. Chuck South for the city, not Chuck plus South. five and a half. Sorry, just Chuck normal. Just not Chuck, Chuck, Chuck normal. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck normal. blank. Um, yeah, Pat Kelsey and co. Get it done for me. Plus five and a half. I think San Jose State still wins, but it's going to be last possession type stuff. So let's go. Uh, my best bet is Houston minus 19. I think they're going to grab 50% of their misses. And if they don't miss, well, they're going to win anyway. So Houston minus 19 against Northern Kentucky. Yep. Big, big agree on that one. Also, I think first half's worth a look too. Uh, Penn State plus three is my best bet for the Thursday slate. I think that shooting really shocks AM, something they haven't seen in SEC play. All right, that's it. That's our Thursday show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Bet Rivers. Thank you to Jacob behind the scenes, our producer, for helping out. Enjoy the hoops. Enjoy the madness. Friday show coming later. See you then. And welcome back. It's the Friday edition of the Best Bet Show, Field 68. All sponsored by Bet Rivers, Matthew Cox, Shimmer, Kai McKeon. The Weavers are weaving through the bracket. We've already hit Thursday. We've hit the playing games, the Pigs. Now it's on our Friday, the last chapter of the first round action. Um, 
we can skip takeaways. We don't need to debrief what happened. We're looking ahead, looking toward the future here. Let's get right into the matchups here. Um, Michigan State versus USC. Mr. McKeon, what do you do first? I have been on USC all year. I think this team is real. Hmm. Our boss, Jeff Goodman, thinks Michigan State is going to the Final Four. Yeah, he's One right. of us will be dead wrong. Um, <laughs> hopefully, he's wrong and I'm right. And those who believe in this USC train, which I have been chugging along since the start of the year, um, profit accordingly. But let's hear your Michigan State stance. I believe you're more of a Sparty believer on this side. Uh, well, yeah, we'll see here. Uh, second most boring matchup of the first round behind Boise and Northwestern. Um, these teams are almost identical in metrics. UCF, excuse me, USC, 43rd in offense, Sparty 41st. UC, USC, 48th in defense, Sparty 40. They're both solid. They're not elite. They're good, not great. USC's length might bother Sparty's guards. They have the slight athletic edge. Izzo in March, question mark. He's inconsistent, Jim. The numbers show it. He's inconsistent. And heck, Andy Enfield, pretty good tournament resume he's got uh, over on his side. USC to lead eight, of course, Florida Gulf Coast. I think Michigan State has a higher upside of these teams with the way they can shoot the ball. But the gut, my gut is telling me to lean towards the dog. USC plus two. I got nothing here quite yet. The coaching and the guard play, I lean towards Michigan State. But I secretly also think A.J. Hogard is kind of a head case, and that kind of showed through in the Big Ten tournament, Jim. Yeah, well, he was like getting lectured by Izzo and like rolling his eyes and like, yeah, ridiculous behavior. All right, coach, whatever. Like, dude, it's a Hall of Famer. Maybe give him a little bit of respect, Mr. Junior Leader. Matt, I'm hoping you have the data queued up on both of their uh, records in the tournament. So I'll I'll defer that to you. Uh, But I do trust the guard play a lot more uh, on Michigan State. Maybe that's, you know, unfair slight of Boogie Ellis and Reese Dixon Waters and Drew Peterson. And Enfield's been so, so good in the tournament that I think I've faded him a bunch and have lost money doing so. So I kind of want to just sit this one out because I don't feel strongly about it. But Kai, darn it, that's not what we do when we're in Vegas. So I'm going to eventually have to pick a side. I'm waiting for one of you to to really sell me. So Matt, give give me your best Trojan pitch. Andy Enfield, 10-2 and against the spread in the NCAA tournament since 2005. Uh, Tom Izzo, 22-22. and So, yeah. I mean, I know that's been more rooted in his recent. He hasn't been bad recently, but he's not been as insanely awesome as I think he was when they had like the every kid who's played for me went to a final four over the four year cycle period. Um, I mean, the middle Tennessee giddy pots first round debacle still uh, burns brightly in my memory bank. So I, I think this version of Michigan state though is improving rapidly. And I like that. They're kind of leaning into like, wow, we're kind of fun and offensive and NBA pace and spacey with Hogard and Walker and, Hauser making shots and up front, we're not the usual Izzo team. I just think that matchup's poor against USC, who does have that size and length up front. Not like Isaiah Mobley type size, but still plenty of length. Um, I expect to see Enville work in some multiple uh, types of defenses. It's a great microcosm of can a Big Ten team adapt to a weird uh, changing style that the Pac-12 presents, which has been kind of the the, the impetus of the Pac-12's recent success. So, Pac-12 actually really good ATS in the tournament. Right, going back to is it like choked away a cover last year against Davidson and then did not cover against Duke two years ago. Choked away a cover against UCLA. Choked away a win against a win. UCLA yeah. that enabled the Bruins to go to the Final Four. Like it, this has not been a foolproof postseason team the way many perceive. And strangely, Enfield has been nearly foolproof. Yep. So yeah, just a reminder, make sure we underscore the numbers here. Michigan State length two, the total 137 has not budged on side or total. Uh, we continue on. We're going to Xavier, Kennesaw State, the Owls, one of multiple Owls in this year's field. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kai, the Musketeers laying 11 
early tip on Friday. This is at Greensboro Coliseum where the ACC tournament was just held. The total's been bet down a point and a half. That's actually my strongest angle on this one. I think this is, it feels like a shootout. Um, surprised to see that money coming on the under here, but what's your angle on this handicap side or total? I scooped up a plus 12 in Kennesaw. Um, I, this team is hungry, man. They play all upperclassmen. They brought the second most minutes in the country back from last season. They competed this year in the non-con with Florida, VCU, and Indiana. San Diego State killed them, but they competed with these other three teams. Um, Xavier's definitely been playing a lot better lately. They can be scary. And Kennesaw State's not great at defending the arc, which kind of scares me. Xavier, they can get hot. Third best three-point shooting team in the country. They will be in trouble if Xavier is hitting shots. But I think Kennesaw is good at just about everything on the defensive end and offensively. They play extremely hard. The size edge could be an issue again, but I believe in the Owls' gym tenacity and their ability to keep this competitive. So I, I like Kennesaw State here, plus 11. Yeah, pretty good defensive rebounding team, which is yeah. important. The way Xavier's kind of reinvented themselves. Jerome Hunter, just a monster on the offensive glass. Uh, they've slowed it down, become a little more defensive since Fremantle went out. Yeah, I'm with you on Kennesaw. Kai, you mentioned getting blown out by San Diego State. That was one of those weird one-off, why is this team going across the country for one road game? Exactly, yeah. So I'm kind of throwing that out. The spot was really hideous for that. And, and the other step up in class, they were competitive. I watched that whole Indiana game. I bet Kennesaw that game finished a 14-point margin. Matt, it was not a 14-point game. It was like a two-point game the entire way. I think Kennesaw competes here too. They've got talent on that roster. Like the recruiting level has been high under Abdul Rahim. Now they're really delivering. They can shoot it. They can compete in the paint. Just feels like a little bit uh, too too many points for me. I, I would I would lean towards the eleven and a half with Kennesaw. Yeah. So Sean Miller is seventeen and eleven lifetime against the spread in the tournament, but recently he's lost two in a row. Uh, Buffalo, Arizona, not his finest moment. Um, fittingly, Arizona versus Alabama Mater, seventy one seventy three got beat there as well in two thousand seventeen, and he was one and four the last. Uh, five games before that. So it's, again, kind of like the Izzo thing. I think the perception of Sean Miller, yes, great coach, but he's not been some absolute tournament juggernaut against the spread. That's mostly, you know, that's over a decade ago, um, you know, when he was at Xavier in the early Arizona era. I still like Kennesaw. I'm, I'm with you, Kai. Um, I think they can shoot it for sure. Um, and Indiana fans, I think, saw Kennesaw play IU really, really close. Um, just kick, sort of slashing a, kick, yeah, slashing kick. I mean, I know there's no TJD in that game, but still, they can defend. They're athletic enough to stand hand in with the big boys, and they have that kind of equalizer with their ability to knock down shots. So I like the Owls. Um, we continue fourth. UC Santa Barbara versus Baylor. Kai, I know you've mm. been sort of the Babs believer all season. Um, yeah, Babs similar narrative here. You know, talent is very, very legitimate here from the 14 seed line. Definitely a more talented team than you're used to seeing from this type of seed. Um, Baylor, obviously one of the best shot making teams in the country, but can they defend? I think is what this ultimately comes down to, especially up front against a, a pretty vaunted, I would say, uh, gaucho front line. Yeah. This team's a 12 or a 13 any other year, basically. Um, this spread's gone up actually in favor of Baylor. It's up to 11. It was 10, uh, most of this morning. Many expected Santa Barbara to be a top 100, top 75 team, even this season. Their talent is nuts. AJ Mitchell, Pierre Louis, among the better backcourts nationally at the mid-major level. Same with Norris and Kelly up front in, in the front court. I do think there's a big coaching edge here for Scott Drew uh, over Pasternak, and putting it lightly. Um, it's also the best team by far Santa Barbara has faced. It's the only top 100 opponent they've faced outside of UC Irvine, who ranks 99th. Um, but this team is big and strong. They're not your typical mid-major. They have power size. They have power players. Uh, 
Baylor's offense is awesome. They're going to carve up Santa Barbara, who is not the most disciplined team in the world defensively. I just think it might be kind of a shock for for Barbara to step up in competition um, like this against Baylor. I do kind of lean towards Baylor, Jim, but I do think it's a dangerous 14 seed, and 11's getting kind of high. Yeah, and Baylor has lost to a 14 seed before. We saw yep. it happen with Georgia State. Um, this team, this Baylor team, is much better offensively than that one was. They can attack in a lot of different ways here. But I've mentioned all the season, I, I don't like how frequently Baylor switches with their small guards. And if you're going to have smaller guys getting on to A.J. Mitchell, Pierre-Louis, even playing through Andre Kelly or Miles Norris in the post, uh, that is a problem. Uh, that's that's how the Baylor interior defense has been exposed over and over. Really, really bad two-point percentage defense, like just got smashed in that department in uh, in league play. Really, they finished 10th in the Big 12 in both two-point percentage offense and defense. And I think Santa Barbara actually has the, the horses to maybe exploit that so again, man, I'm leaning towards the dog. I just do fear the three-point shooting outpouring that could happen with Baylor. A really, really elite shooting team with those guards. Yep. No, I agree. Um, yeah, we'll see. At Big West, I'm not sure if I – I don't think I have any good data on how well that conference has stacked up in the tournament, um, but it seems to be usually full of teams that people sleep on, just like no one really sees them play akin to the Pac-12. Um, yeah, there's real talent, but I don't know if they can stack up with Baylor's offensive firepower. Uh, a game that should be a lot lower scoring. Um, St. Mary's VCU. I mean, this is like, you know, this feels like the ultimate rock fight. It's tough meets tougher. As I would say, Jim, I'm not sure who the tougher team is. It's two really tough teams. St. Mary's kind of lives and breathes off its toughness mentality. Um, and VCU, that's always how they've been built under Mike Rhodes. They're actually the hotter team right now. I'd argue, um, as good as St. Mary's has been down the stretch that their only flaws being those losses to Gonzaga. I hopped in on the Rams. Um, what's your take on this one? I kind of lean the other way, unfortunately. Um, I don't think St. Mary's is going to turn the ball over, and that's what BCU feeds off of. And this is a junior version of, oh, Duke is rolling against the ACC, by the way. VCU is rolling against a horrific A-10. <laughs> yeah. like, congratulations, you beat a conference that had no one with even a shot at net large. So that that definitely uh, we hesitate a little bit. St. Mary's super, super disciplined. I think VC is going to really struggle with that defense, finding shots. It's going to be a lot of contested mid-rangers because they don't help off of three-point shooters. I don't think Schreiber is going to have the big game. He's been really huge for them of late, but I don't I don't envision that happening against this Gales really well-schooled defense. I'm sure Bennett's going to have a great game plan. So I actually do lean towards St. Mary's. I think people are a little too excited about VCU. Sorry, Matthew. The haters want to see the Gales fail, uh, a la Gonzaga. But Jim, the market's betting St. Mary's. It's up to four and even four and a half in some yeah. places right now. Come on. Yeah, going towards St. Mary's. I do think it's a challenging matchup. The VCU's pressure, they might affect St. Mary's, who has talented guards who handle the ball, but they rely heavily on freshmen, right? Freshman playmakers. You never know in March. VCU is certainly a more athletic team. Very aggressive. St. Mary's, though, their defense is tough, man. They're connected. They're like Marquette. They're a connected team. They play excellent help side D. They clog the middle while also contesting shots. I think VCU has a real issue scoring in the half court here. So if they can't create live ball turnovers, I kind of think St. Mary's wins comfortably. VCU's defense is excellent, but maybe St. Mary's cutting action, their smartness on that end, find success. I think everyone's going to be on VCU, especially as it crawls up to four, four and a half. It's kind of the way I lean to on the number, but I don't think it's a gimme. And there are some real uh, matchup angles for St. Mary's, Matthew. Another factor here, and this is the case, we'll talk, uh, we mentioned this at San Diego State. This is a West Coast team that plays on the East Coast. The game's in Albany. 
It'll be 11 o'clock local tip for the Gales. Um, I think two Eastern, the official tip time. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much that really means anymore. It seems like that tends to be baked into the price or, you know, teams have gotten better with travel. Huge of this game is on Friday, right? If this is on Thursday. I think that matters more, but the extra day, um, you know, will help there. And St. Mary's is not a team that is as home cozy as it used to be, right? They kind of challenged themselves a little more this year. They've actually gotten out and played teams on neutral sites. So that, that should bode well. But uh, still, I think worth noting, um, as there have been, you know, some pretty big bets on the travel spots historically. Uh, we carry fourth. Another mid-major versus high-major showdown here, Vermont versus Marquette, the Golden Eagles. Um, I mean, at what point do we stop doubting this team? I think we're all passed out at this point. However, Vermont's had plenty of tournament success, Jim. Um, they're catching 11 games in Columbus there, uh, so a little bit closer to Marquette there in the Midwest roots. Any angle for you in this one? I like Marquette. I, I think this version of Vermont feasted on the America East and was really not that good in the non-conference. Marquette's defense is trending up and the offense, we don't really have any questions about that. Um, Hasle metrics has like a, he calls it a paper tiger factor where it's teams that play better against worse competition or better against better competition. And Vermont is like super high in terms of they smash bad teams. And that was mostly mm. just thorough domination of the America East impressive run through that tournament. Yes. But uh, I don't love this current roster stepping up in class. I was very reliant on Dylan Penn and and some not super athletic shooting. I, I think Marquette can can roll here, Kai. I, I like the Golden Eagles. It's kind of a similar situation to Colgate, Texas, except Vermont's offense is not nearly as good as Colgate's. Um, can't be taken lightly. They can play. They're a really smart team, and they lost to USC by just two this season in the non-conference. So they've shown they compete with power competition. Uh, they're they're a top ten ball handling team, turnover rate. They they do not make careless mistakes. I'm just not sure how much. That matters against the length and athleticism we've seen from Marquette and their pressure capabilities. It's way more than anything they've seen in the America East this season. Vermont also cannot take advantage of Marquette's lack of top end size. They can't offensive rebound. Those are Marquette's two biggest weaknesses. Vermont's not exploiting that. I think the Golden Eagles score all day long. They're top 10 offense in the country. We talked about their connectivity on that end. Few teams in the country move the ball better. Matt, I think they slice and dice Vermont's D. It's just not the same caliber of athlete on these teams. There's a gap in talent. I do lean towards Marquette. I kind of see the market leaning towards Vermont a little bit. We'll we'll see where the line ends up. This will probably be a day of bet for me, and it'll probably be the Golden Eagles. Yeah, I think it's one of the least talented teams Becker's had at Vermont, but I think it just shows what a great coach he is, that they're still a fringe top 100 team. They won 15 straight games, and here they are, um, you know, kind of doing what Colgate's doing, dominating a, a lesser conference. If they were built... Um, you know, I, I guess I like how they're built this year because they have been playing slower. You know, they, you know, Becker showed a little bit of a willingness to play faster with some athletes in, you know, recent years. Um, I think this team, if they had a guy like Anthony Lamb, like a true star that could, you know, really rise against a power conference, I'd be more comfortable backing them here. Um, but I think the talent gap's too wide, even against Marquette, who's not like loaded with five stars or anything. Um, I, I just don't see in a way that they really give Marquette many issues. If anything, I think Vermont's going to do more of the chess reactive toggling with their rotations to match with what what Marquette brings forth. Uh, Nothing farther to add there. We continue with the playing game winner of Mississippi State or Pitt. They will be taking on Iowa State and a potential matchup, Kai, between Iowa State and Mississippi State sounds absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Uh, Another early tip here, 210 uh, Central out in Greensboro Coliseum. What's your angle here for either uh, result of the playing game winner between Mississippi State and Pitt? 
Yeah, nothing strong right now, obviously. We'll see who they actually play. My hunch, my gut says Iowa State loses this game, no matter who they play. Um, I love their defense, their grit. I just don't really trust this team really without Caleb Grill yet. We, we've only seen them beat Baylor. Um, I, so I'm probably waiting to see. I'm probably going to take either Piss, Miss, Mississippi State or Pitt over them. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. It's I think their fans are a little exuberant because they're like, look, we smashed Baylor twice. But that's I think just might be a real good matchup for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mississippi State can match their physicality. Pitt more of a similar to Baylor where maybe that matchup works better for Iowa State. They can dominate the paint limit the three-point shooting with their length on the perimeter. So that one might be a little more matchup dependent for me where I would I would be willing to back Mississippi State. Um, but Otzelberg is a great coach, and that team can really, really defend. So I'm not going to emphatically go one way or the other yet, at least not, not, not until we see the, the playing game to get there. I think I'm probably the biggest believer in Iowa State in terms of like their ability to make a second weekend run um, just because their defense is such a sturdy foundation and they have some kind of st- – you know, hot and cold shot makers. If they hit the hot wave, then obviously in a tournament do or die format, you can make a run, but uh, yeah, nothing else profound here. Uh, next we have Creighton NC state. Kai, where did Creighton NC state rank on your uh, most boring slash most exciting first round matchups? It feels like this one's been not discussed as much, even though there are some pretty fascinating. Um, yeah. Being you know, stylistic angles yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. I think that one's already talked about it. I think Creighton has kind of fallen under the radar. They feel like a real dark horse. They haven't played well down the stretch, kind of why they fell lower on the sea line and why people aren't taking them as seriously. I think maybe a you know, month ago, we'd probably be like, oh, this is, you know, kind of like how people talk about TCU, right? You know, two six mm-hmm. seeds with really, really high upside, haven't all the way been at their best all season. Um, and NC State sneaks in, right? Another ACC team bubble uh, benefiter who can really shoot it, really space it. What's your take here? Yeah, Creighton laying, laying five here. Um, under, underseated when you look at analytics. Creighton um, and a team in NC state that had a real case to miss the dance entirely. I kind of think NC state is in trouble. Um, They've had a lot of success this year playing through DJ Burns on the block and he's a beast, but it's very hard for me to see him getting anything easy against Kalkbrenner. He has the weight, but Kalk is just such an elite shot blocker, elite length defense without fouling. Uh, And the perimeter defense for Creighton is excellent. They're quick. They have long guards. They can harass Terquavian and Jarkel Joyner. They take away the three ball. They force teams to get into the mid-range or go against Kalkbrenner. And on the other end, Creighton really takes care of the ball. They can get stagnant in the half court for sure. But I think having a guy like Baylor Baylor Shireman this year in the tournament is going to be a real game game changer. I lean towards Creighton right now, Jim, at minus five. I love Creighton here. I, I think they are a better Clemson, and Clemson absolutely smashed this NC State team three times. Uh, the the physicality in the paint is similar, and they're not going to get totally worked by NC State's guards. Like they've, they've got actual bigger guards that can defend on the perimeter there. And I don't like that NC State can't move Kalkbrenner around. Like that's what Villanova did to uh, did to this Creighton team and, and moved him and and then you don't have the rim protector around because Eric Dixon's knocking down threes, but DJ Burns can't do that. He, he's going to be in the paint. They don't really have a floor stretching option at the five. Um, so I, I don't like how that sets up for them. I'll be back in Creighton here, Matthias. Uh, one little note, Greg McDermott, one of the strongest under coaches in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like 24 and 13 when he plays uh, to the under. So if you're interested in that, obviously it's kind of a high number, but if we think Creighton's defense is going to lock up those guards, then then perhaps uh, tempo gets limited enough and, and that could be a, a decent under angle. Yeah, Jim, I think that reason right there, uh, the matchup similarity between 
Clemson and um, and Creighton is why I'm not backing NC State because I thought this was a very interesting stat. Bet Labs since 2007, teams who lost their last game before the tournament by 20 or more points are 21 and 12 against the number in the tournament. So whether that's just like a like an extra motivational psychological juice or the market overreacts to a really terrible last effort. Um, I don't know. That's a pretty strong trend. I don't know if I'd go against that, I'd say, but, but, but the, the matchup similar, as you mentioned, uh, maybe there's a real reason for that just to repeat itself. And it did three times against Clemson this season. So uh, next up here on the outline, I've already lost the outline. Where did it go? There it is. Um, we're going to talk UConn Iona. How fun is this one? Dan Hurley. UConn fans have him under the microscope, Jim, as uh, they have all of the potential, all the talent, and they are playing their best ball right now. But Rick Pitino can be a landmine. Um, Spread felt low to me, even with the Rick Pitino factor. What's your angle on this handicap? Yeah, I thought it was a little low, too. Um, It's important that Iona has size to compete. Nella Jr. Joseph, Osborne Chima inside can at least somewhat hold up against the Sonogo Klingon blitz in the paint. Uh, UConn's definitely opened things up more. Kai playing a little bit more small ball. Jackson handling the ball more. Uh, that has more uh, shooting around him than Caravan spacing the floor really well. They're playing Sunogo at the top of the key as like a distributor. So perhaps that helps. Moving Iona's defense around could be a problem for them. And Patino's a great game planner. He's going to come in with, with a fantastic uh, setup of, of a game plan. Potentially could be conference rivals soon if Patino ends up at St. Yeah. John's, as is heavily rumored right now. I, I kind of want to just back Patino based on a, on the coaching angle. But as Matt said, I don't love the number. It feels a little bit lower than I would have liked. Yeah, it's at UConn. nine currently, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. It's nine and a half now at Bet Rivers. Yeah. Um okay. I, I'm another game I'm waiting to see where it ends up before I bet it. Um, UConn's the most underseeded team in the bracket. They're number four nationally in Kempom and yet a four seed. Um, they could be the best team in the country when, when playing all uh, well. We know Iona's an awesome mid-major. They have not played a power team all season, so it's really hard to know how they really stack up against elite competition. Dan Hurley, he's never made a Sweet 16. Patino is just such a better coach, like all day, every day, twice on Sunday. If you like coaching angles, it's Patino, man. It's not even close. Uh, the sheer size is going to be a problem for Iona. They are big. They are strong. Again, like some other teams, like like Santa Barbara, more athletes than your typical mid-major. But if Junior Joseph gets in foul trouble, I think it's over for the Gales. Um, they do, Matt. Try this one off for size. Iona has a case for the better backcourt with Jenkins and Clayton versus Newton and Hawkins. I'm not sure I'm, not sure I'm quite there. I'll hear it. But it's, it's not a huge gap, I don't think. I just think Iona has a tough time scoring. UConn's going to dominate the glass. Number one offensive rebounding rate versus number 272 on defense. Again, though, big matchup on coaching. It's it's kind of a, a, a game matchup versus game plan matchup. Hence, I'm waiting for this spread to get kind of hammered out before I bet it. I think I like the under as I think about this more, right? Like Rick wants to keep this into the half court. He wants no part of getting to a track meet. Um, you know, maybe he does pressure though, which I guess could make this more helter skeltery, but still, um, I, I think he wants to limit possessions here and give himself, you know, tilt the odds as much in his favor as he possibly can. Um, and this game is uh, worth noting. This game is in Albany, correct? So in the same little nook as Drake, Miami, Kent State, Indiana, VCU, St. Mary's, so it should be a really good turnout for this game with both teams being, um, you know, fairly close to to home. So a uh, little audition, perhaps, for Mr. Bettino and his potential uh, leapfrog to his next gig. All right, another playing game we'll talk uh, very quickly because I think this is kind of a, a no-brainer. Purdue versus the winner of Texas Southern or Fairleigh Dickinson. 
Um, I mean, projected spread going to be like what Purdue minus 22 low twenties seems to be just an average of what you're going to see here. I don't really care. I think Purdue wins by a lot. Purdue first half would be my lean, uh, regardless of matchup outcome. Any takes guys are strong on either it's, fairly Dickinson or, uh, or Texas Southern. I think it could be like 30 point spread. I, both these teams are like close to 300 in Kim Pum, uh, Purdue easily. Yeah. Um, going to have like 40 and 30. The pressure might spook the boilers a little bit, but I, I don't see them being close to the, to Purdue. Really like the first half angle, Matt. I think Edie just comes out dominates. Maybe they don't play him that much in the second half. Uh, and there could be some sort of backdoor angle, especially if the spread is really, really inflated, which it probably should be because of how poorly both Texas Southern and FDU rank. But I think first half uh, with, with the quick turnaround, the travel that um, the 16 seed winner will have to do uh, playing Wednesday and then uh, playing against Purdue on Friday. I'm, I'm into that first half Purdue. Johnny Jones, five and two against the spread in the insulated tournament. Um, I don't have the breakdown of, I think most of those five were playing game wins. Um, but still, you know, Jones has been a good coach. He's clearly dominates the spot tournament. I think he actually has a right to maybe, maybe get Purdue a run for the money, but I'm just not seeing it. Uh, a very intriguing, we'll call this the Bryce, Hop- the Bryce Hopkins Bowl. Kentucky against Providence. Um, Ed Cooley versus John Calper. I think one of the more covered games of the first round for sure, despite its, you know, relatively lackluster seating uh, implications here. But Jim, I'll go to you. Kentucky laying four, total at 145. Uh, this one's also in Greensboro. Um, I think the line's about right. I don't really trust either team, to be honest, at this point. It's one of those games where it's like, how can you bet this one really confidently? So I don't have any action here. What's your lean? Yeah, Kentucky, you got to figure out who's playing, who's healthy. That's yeah. that's going to be something we we kind of figure out as this week develops. But I do like Ed Cooley as an underdog. I know they didn't quite get there with UConn. I think they ended up coming back and pushing if you had a really good number, but but did not cover most numbers in that one. But I like that they showed signs of life, Kai. That, that's a very positive thing. I was worried that after the Seton Hall game, then you get into the tournament, you get blown out again. Like maybe this team had just rolled over or Ed Cooley's half uh, a foot out the door or something. But that battle that they showed late against UConn gives me a little more uh, hope. And of course, there's the Hopkins angle of, how dare you not play me last year? Look how good I am now. I lean towards Providence on the number, at least getting this into like a, a one possession game. And this spread might not be done moving towards Kentucky. Uh, I, I already see it at four and a half in another book, and it started three, three and a half. Um, Ed Cool is a dog, Give man. Give me yeah, five, I agree. Please. If it gets to five, I'm taking Providence. Kentucky, if Case Wallace gets announced in, I think you see the, the, the spread keep moving for Kentucky. They're a dangerous team, obviously, and Providence just snuck into the field. Um, Kentucky's not going to get beat on the glass. Usually that's an edge for the Friars, but obviously Kentucky has a lot of size to, to throw at them, combat them. Providence interior defense a little bit weak. Kentucky should probably have an advantage there. If all healthy, yeah, I think Kentucky moves on. But again, I trust Ed Cooley more than I trust John Calipari. And like Jim said, if we see five, I'm taking Providence. If it's below that, game time decision on, on who I take. Yeah, the one concerning thing, Providence not good away from home. Like all of their their big wins have been at the yep. amp. Uh, they're six and nine away from home. If you filter Bartorvik since February first, they're ninety second. Like they just have not been good of late. That that does spook me. But at five, uh, hopefully it gets there. Uh, I would take it. It's two on Ken Pump, by the way. So they're the market is yeah. taking a, uh, taking a stance on Kentucky. Yeah, let's get to another tightly contested 6-11 matchup here. Perhaps the biggest coin flip of all of all of them. That's Drake, Miami, Florida. Everyone and their mother, Kai, 12, is back. Right? 
512. Oh, this is 512. 512, excuse me. Yep. Everyone and their mother is backing Drake, and uh, I am on that. I'm a part of that mob. I've already played Drake myself. Yes, the, the line is very, very low. Um, just looking at the programs and you know what you expect to see, but it, I think it's justified. I think Drake is... These two are basically equal, so I'm getting two and a half free points on a neutral port. That's how I'm handicapping this. Games in Albany been bent down to, been bet down to two and a half um, at the opener. What's your look here, Mr. McKeon? Yeah, laughably short spread, but I took Drake also. Um, yeah. one, one of the oldest, most experienced teams in the country with a coast with a coach I trust, a fantastic defense, and a player in Tucker DeVries who can create his own shot and take over in late game situations. Omir is a question mark. If he's out, Drake is certainly a heavier play. Miami's guards are a problem for sure, but they can be erratic. And this Drake team isn't one to sort of like lay over and die. They won't back down. You're not going to get easy looks against Drake. You're not going to get second chance opportunities against Drake either. On the other end, Drake's offense definitely stagnates. If they aren't hitting shots, they can really struggle in the half court. You saw that a couple games against Missouri State. They're a good shooting team, but they don't have much creation outside of debris. Roman Penn can drive, but it's not it's not reliable. Jim, both teams shoot the ball really well. Both teams have really good coaches, but I'm going Drake. Uh, I'm going Drake plus two and a half here. Hey, maybe we'll see three on, on game day, but I doubt it. I bet it goes the other way. I think it goes the other way too because of Omir. If he's not going to be able to play or even is probably going to be highly limited, that's definitely at a point in, in Drake's favor. If you look at the on-off numbers, which aren't the end-all be-all, but Miami is 16 points better per 100 when he's out there. He, he, he limits them or his absence limits them on both ends. I'm going to be on Drake as well. Uh, I wish I had gotten the plus three. I'll probably end up uh, taking the plus two and a half here shortly. I'm at the MVC has been really, really tough in the NCAA tournament. Um, it's it's a slow grinder. They're comfortable in postseason esque uh, atmospheres. Sure. Yep. We've had a couple of Bradley teams be really, really tough uh, in the past few years. I was saying I was going to bet whoever won that conference tournament, whether it was Drake, Bradley, or SIU, any of those top three with elite defenses. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Drake here as well. The Bulldogs, even though Miami had success in the postseason last year, I think the Omir limitation is is the the one that tilts me towards Drake. Love it. That's a consensus sweep on Jersey Drake. We continue Gonzaga against Grand Canyon, a uh, a sort of unsuspecting victory from the Lopes out of the whack. Uh, unsuspecting because they were without their best player point guard, Javon Blackshear, which they have been for a while now, they've reinvented themselves um, a token to how good a testament, excuse me, to how good Bryce drew is as a coach. Yeah. However, Kai, the market is on Gonzaga. Some early money has pushed this from 15 up to 16. Um, I see some 15 and a halves out there. It's not like a crazy amount of money for Gonzaga, but certainly with the way they play in the WCC tournament, you can understand why I have them in my final four. However, I have Grand Canyon on the number in this opening round. I did take the 16 this morning, full disclosure. I like the Lopes. I like how they're defending. Your thoughts? I can't believe Grand Canyon's here without Blackshear. It's it's incredible. Um, I like the over in this game. <laughs> Grand yes. Canyon's defense, it's 157 at Bet Rivers. Grand Canyon's defense is a sieve. Um, I know you said they, you think they're defending better now, but I, I don't think they can contain Gonzaga. They're going to score at will all day. Ray Harrison is everything for them offensively. And I think you can game plan that when you're so focused on one guy for your offense, I think it's easy to take that away in a tournament setting. Certainly think Mark Few is a good coach. Now Grand Canyon can shoot and that definitely gives them a chance, but the talent here is not close. And I think you kind of saw at the end of the year and in the WCC tournament, Gonzaga is in FU mode. I think they're kind of going to run through a couple teams here. The spread does feel touch high. I'll give you that, Matt, but I really think that Gonzaga, uh, that, that Gonzaga scores 90 points, Jim. 
Yeah, I over is easily the thing I'm most comfortable with with this game. Grand Canyon's been the biggest over team in the country this year from yep. a percentage of game. Like they've been a hammer in that direction. And with the way Gonzaga's playing offense, I, I could pretty easily see them scoring quite a bit here. Even if Grand Canyon tries to slow the game down, it's going to be difficult to do that. It does feel high, the spread, Matt. I'm not going to bet the side. I'm just going to bet the over and hope for points, points, points. Give me a hundred to how pick your number for Grand Canyon. Mm. I'll I'll accept whatever you offer me. Well, I hope it's 85. That'll be a cover for me. Um, they are, yeah, they are just shooting the absolute crap out of it. And you could argue that's just a regression ticking time bomb. I kind of just will ride with the mojo and momentum, um, because of Bryce Drew and and how good of a coach he is and how much I respect him. I confidently backed him. Who do they play? Is it Alabama first round? Like another fast paced, highly talented team. And they covered that game. And that, that team was better than this version for sure. And they had a real size up front, which I think could be, you know, two years ago. Was it Iowa? I thought it was, uh, Grand Canyon yeah, played Bama that sounds right. Year. Um, but anyway, I, I think it's a oh, I own to play Bama. That's right. Rigos Ripetino versus Bama. I, I think GCU competes to a degree here. Um, but the Zags are awfully dangerous on offense right now. Uh, we oh no, not this game. I can't. This game makes me so mad here. <laughs> FAU against Memphis. Yeah. Like my owl is completely screwed by the the bracket. Um, by the, the selection committee to beat UAB by a million points. Um, to get no credit for that, you know, just kind of goes to show that conference tournament championships, especially the second weekend, don't mean anything. Regardless, they are catching two and a half against a red hot Memphis team who just took Houston without Marcus Sasser to the woodshed gym. I haven't officially bet my owls because I do think this Mem- this Memphis team is real and the matchup's tough. But I think because I've put all of my reputational chips in on the owls, I'll probably bet them when I get to Vegas with you guys. But it's not something I'm going to endorse as a pragmatic prognosticator to those out there betting. Yeah, I love both these teams. I've made a little list of teams I wanted to bet on in the tournament, and I only got to three. Uh, it was just teams like, okay, between coach and the way they're playing, all this stuff, I, I want to be on them. And FAU and Memphis are both on there. And Penn State. Oh, that's so, that's that's so tough. That's so yeah, tough. so like, great. Oh, they're playing each other. Fantastic. That's real fun. Uh, so I, that's, I have a really, really hard time with this game because I think they're both – outstanding um, FAU can maybe spread them out a little bit with how much they space the floor and they're shooting, but Memphis is rolling. The athleticism, the physicality, Kendrick Davis appears to be healthy. There's always a risk. He rolls that ankle again. It's happened like five times this season, but you can't count on that. that that'd be a tough thing to bake into the handicap. Yeah. Kyle ultimately probably lean towards getting the two and a half or laying them, but I bet against Memphis last year in an eight, nine game. It didn't go well. Why did mm-hmm. I bet Boise? You idiot, Jim. Uh, so I have not decided on this one. It's going to be a late call. I was hoping to see three, and I'm seeing two now in places. I think it's going to go towards the other way, which sucks. Hey, smart market. Uh, yeah, shame on the committee for making this an 8-9 game. It, it might be the best game of the opening round. Uh, Kempom team's 19-26, and 26, and yet we're in an 8-9 game here. FAU has shown it can beat power teams. They beat Florida this year. They, they, they beat North Texas and UAB, who are basically power team caliber. Um, both teams are really experienced. FAU has that connectivity factor that I love. Is there an answer for Kendrick Davis? I'm not sure they can stay in front one-on-one, but they play great team defense, and they're very sound inside. 11th in the country and two-point field goal percentage allowed can force Memphis to be shooters. Memphis can shoot a bit, but it's not what they prefer. Uh, Memphis's D, obviously very solid. FAU, very good ball handlers, won't turn it over easily, and they're used to athletic defenses. They've seen a lot of that in Conference USA. FAU can stroke it. Memphis allows a ton of threes. I think that's a key, a little matchup angle there. I lean towards FAU again. I really wanted three. Doesn't look like we're going to get three. I'll probably end up taking two, two and a half in Vegas, Matt. 
here's my uh, word of advice to to Penny Hardaway. Um, he, the problem is he doesn't actually do this. Is you need to post up one of your bigs against FAU's uh, fourth guard. That, that's how you beat FAU. I saw it up close and personal with Isaiah Crawford from Louisiana Tech. They basically play four four out and one in. And if you can post up that second that that fourth guard that quasi four man, you can have success. Problem is Memphis looking at shot quality fifth percentile in terms of post up uh, frequency this year. So it's just not really in Penny's bag. Kind of bodes well for my owls. Makes me a little more confident that when I blindly back them, I won't be uh won't be taking a fool's errand there. So I let's go out. Get it done, wise, they can like DeAndre Williams could right. They should be able to exactly. But yeah, right. yeah. If they're not going to run that, then it's then it's a problem. All right, Kai. We're talking Kansas State, Montana State next. I have uh, I, I get bad goosebumps thinking about what Montana State did or didn't do last year in the first round against Texas yeah. Tech. Completely outclassed. Um, now that Texas tech team, I think was more potent and more dangerous than this Kansas state team. And that could be disrespecting Kansas state. So apologies. Uh, do you see any shades of that repeating this year or is this Montana state team giving more confidence than that last year debacle? Yeah, it is kind of scary. I, I see a lot of people like Montana state here and I kind of want to as well. I feel like they compete, but the spread's low, man. Eight points is, is not a lot. And, and we were all over Montana state last year and they got destroyed. They also lost a, Lost to Oregon by 30 this season. Um, they've certainly been playing better as of late, and they have a great duo. Battle and Bellow is a fantastic duo. It is a team mostly of, of upperclassmen. I think they will get to the line at least. They're fifth nationally in free throw attempt rate. K-State 300th in free throw attempt rate allowed. But K-State's clearly more talented. They're skilled offensively, and I think they're fine with physicality with Keontae Johnson, who should also, by the way, live at the line. Like other mid-majors that are dangerous, Montana State is built like a power team, they can defend top 75 defense. And that's definitely projectable. Jim, I, I guess I lean towards Montana state, but if it gets much lower than eight, I'm probably going to end up taking Kansas state. Cause I think this team's being a little bit ignored right now by the masses. Yeah, potentially we talked about how the first time you see K state with Noel and Johnson, it's really like hard to figure out. Tang is a great coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an issue, but I think this is a much better matchup for Montana state than mm-hmm. last year with Texas tech. Texas Tech was one of the best paint rim defenses in the entire country. You just didn't score in the paint. Kansas State, way more vulnerable there. Montana State, uh, one of the highest post-usage offenses in the country. Play through Bellow. They play through Asabor. Those guys, I think, will be able to score, get to the free throw line. Don't think of Kansas State as a super intimidating rim defense. And then Caleb Fuller is actually like a fantastic matchup for Keontae Johnson as far as a mid-major option. He's a strong, well-built wing. He's very physical, probably getting foul trouble, but I do think they can at least battle and not get totally outclassed there. Uh, and Darius Brown was the defensive player of the year in this league, and you got him to throw it in a well. That helps a little bit as well. So, Matt, Montana State, best bet for me, plus eight. I just think the matchup is so much better than it was last year, and they do have some tournament experience after getting smoked in that game. I agree. And I think Sprinkle's a great coach. Um, we yeah. talked about the horizon shortcomings in this tournament. Big Sky, 5-12 and 12 against the spread since yeah. 2007. That's you take away that. the Eastern Washington cover by a nose. Was it two years ago against Kansas? I think we were all very much involved in that game uh, as anti-Kansas uh, with Ewash. Before that, the last time a Big Sky team has covered was 2014, Weber State. Um, oh. I don't know if there's anything to that. could be circumstantial. However, it does feel like the Big Sky tends to be an offensive-minded team that gets kind of exposed right. when the tournament, you know. So, I don't know. Something to keep an eye on there. And when you talk about how they are built to play 
up to a power conference. I like when my mid-majors are built differently, maybe. They, they provide more of a wrench as opposed to like, you know, back to my point, that strength on strength. But we'll see. I'm on the Montana State Bobcats as well. I was worried, though, as I looked closer at it, Jim. It won't matter, though. Best bets to lock. Follow it. Good. Um, two more here. And uh, the Indiana patrons will not enjoy this conversation, I assume. But IU is playing Kent State. Everyone's on Kent State. Everyone in the IU zeitgeist is sounding the alarms. We're going to get rolled by 20. Uh, my friend group texts are, are littered with, um, you know, doomsday types of messaging. Kai, can you offer any words of comfort for my Hoosier brethren out there? Or is this a loss to a, a really, really, really good flash team? Well, there's some support in the market for Indiana right now. I see four and a half now at some places. Uh, Bet Rivers still four. Um, I love Kent State. But the line does feel low, I'll admit. But Kent State's a defensive team at top 40 defense in the country. That's scary. They lost to Houston by five at Houston, lost by seven to Gonzaga at Gonzaga. That pretty much proves they can compete with anybody in the country. But they are small. Indiana feasts on smaller teams. TJD, he's getting his. I, I love Chris Payton, but he's overmatched here. And, and Race Thompson just adds to that. Guard play, you could argue Sincere Carey might be the most reliable player on the floor. And Jacobs is very good. Huchifino is the most talented without a doubt. But he's a freshman. And freshmen cannot be totally relied on necessarily in March. I think Cinderoff's a better coach than Woodson if you're going for a coach angle. I'm worried about Kent State scoring consistently, but Sincere Carey could take over games against senior guards in March. I'm going Kent State, Jim. I would like to get four and a half or five. Hopefully it gets to five eventually. Um, that's the way I'm leaning, though, for the flashes. Yeah, I agree the number is, is shorter than I wanted it to be, but you mentioned Puchifino's being a freshman. He's going to get the Malik Jacobs matchup, and Jacobs is the defensive player of the year in the MAC. He is a terrific glove on the perimeter. I think if you kind of cut off that Hood Shafino playmaking aspect to this offense. It's really, really reliant on TJD, who is obviously awesome and an All-American. But Kent State has bodies, multiple guys to throw at him. This isn't some smaller mid-major team that uh, can't step up in class. Kai mentioned their their efforts on the road this year. Matt, I just don't love the number. It does feel like at some point, you know, if, if Indiana's up late, then you get a couple of free throws, you lose by five or six, and it's a it's a tough non-cover, but I think there is a great chance for Kent State to uh, to compete there. I will be backing the Golden Flashes, hopefully four and a half. I completely forgot about the Malik Jacobs factor. Like, I mean, I know he exists. I know he's a great player. I just forgot that, like, last year, I think Carey almost won Defensive Player of the Year. He was, like, their ball stopper and two-way stalwart. And I think it kind of wore him out. And this year, they, you know, Jacobs has kind of assumed that defensive stopper role, and Carey can still, you know, guard, lock down people on defense. But I think he can serve more on offense. Either way, that's two dudes they can throw at uh, Huchifino, and that's where this game will be won and lost because TJD will get his inside. Like He will score. I think 30 is an easy um, level for him to get to. I mean, he can. He dominated. I'm uh, sorry, Kent State got dominated by another uh, big. I think Timmy had like 30-something against him. Yeah, he's um, the only reason Gonzaga won that game. He was awesome. Right, and I think that's just – you take that same blueprint apply here, that's going to be a good thing for Kent State because the role players for IU have not been consistent. Uh, I think the injury to Geronimo late or middle of the year hurt. Um, they haven't found a consistent third banana. There's been like a different guy occasionally on night in, night out. But since the Purdue loss, like IU has not looked like a uh, you know a team that's firing all cylinders. So I think there are some cracks that Kent State can expose, especially with such a good coach and Rob Senderoff. Um but I'm sure there's also a chance that he wins by 20 and we all get laughed at for being the ha-ha-ha cute group that cuddles up to Kent State. Um, all right, last game here. Play-in game. 
the Horn Frogs, Jim, have to get your take on your squad uh, facing the winner of the Pig, Arizona State and Nevada. Uh, what's your look here? Potential matchups and um, and where the value might fall. Man, I don't really respect either of those teams a ton, Nevada or yeah. Arizona State. Not a big fan, and I love TCU. Uh, Lampkin fully entered the portal today. He is not on the team. He's gone. Hopefully that is a distraction removed. Uh, they looked great against Kansas State in the Big 12 tournament. Did come up a little short against Texas, but look how well Texas is playing. I mean, look yeah. what they did to Kansas in the final. Maybe actually makes TCU's effort look more impressive there. Um, I'm going to probably be betting TCU, Kai. I would bet they take money because of the shorter turnaround and mm. the idea that TCU is maybe a little undervalued by analytics because of injuries. But I'll, I'll be with it. I got to bet my horn frog's been loyal to them all year. Yeah, whereas I think that Iowa State is in trouble in their game against Mississippi State or Pitt, I'm not worried about TCU as much here. Um, Arizona State's talented enough to beat them. And again, they're high variance, and that can definitely be a problem in small sample size theaters. Uh, but I, I don't really have a have a, a, an angle with Nevada beating TCU. TCU obviously probably wants to see Nevada. That would be my guess. Um, Matt, I'm probably in TCU, but again, we'll see the line. We'll see the actual matchup when it comes to it. Yeah, I'm not as in on TCU um, as you guys are, but uh, I don't think either matchup here poses any real concern. I think they'd probably march on. Um, but yeah, we'll see what the line comes out. Probably close to a touchdown, depending on the winner. Um, again, one of those teams that we've seen a big discrepancy between market and Kempom line, so I'll keep an eye on that. Um, but yeah, nothing official here for me. But that does officially wrap best up bets. today's presentation. Best bets. After we give you our best bets, of course, and I will rehash mine real quickly here to start off. VCU against St. Mary's uh, official number was, let me confirm. You get, you get four actually, Matthew. I think I got a four. I will take four. Jim to you. Uh, Montana state plus eight. Unfortunately, I think it is eight at bet rivers. It's eight and a half, like almost everywhere else. So yeah. <laughs> if you're out there, don't take eight, find your eight and a half. Uh, I will sit on my eight. Kai, hopefully I don't need it, but I think they can compete with K state much better matchup for, for the Bobcats than last season when Texas tech just demolished them. Uh, and yeah, I didn't actually say my best bet, so apologies, but Drake plus two and a half is going to be my best bet. Um, if you like Drake, I would take him. I think it's going to close uh, less than two and a half, but Agreed. Bulldogs win and outright. If you're a money line type of guy, sure, take him. That's all we have. It is officially that time. Dig in, feet up, or I guess stay on your feet and go bonkers like we will. Either approach you want to take to watching these games, do enjoy them in whatever fashion you so choose. Uh, winners only gambling gods that would be appreciated and thank you for stopping by uh, official schedule for the weave to be determined just follow us on twitter that's at 3mw 3mw underscore cbb we will keep you posted there as we confirm um, but until then again winners only please thank you mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from movement whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. 
Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.